actually start the fucking show um preparing yes i know i just but don't think that i actually prepared anything i was actually just writing down things that might be interesting to talk about on the show talk about on the show of sylvan gold dr zom is coming to you and he is cold the air conditioning is turned up way up high i don't really care cause i just shot cum in my eye i didn't really believe me i went for a walk i took the uh the dogs for a walk had a couple of days off from work which pretty much was just um ended up being me sleeping a lot and uh not watching very many movies watching just uh, a lot of wrestling stuff on youtube and uh i was going to go to the theater but there's nothing really playing that i mean tom cruise in the new mission impossible is playing but obviously that wasn't uh enough to to get the juices flowing because i did not go see that and um uh, got some new some kind of new uh bigelow plantation mint tea they didn't have the the uh the usual uh mint tea that i usually get so i had to get that instead but it's it seems to be pretty good going with a little bit of hot tea for this show but by the time i got started it's kind of not really hot but just keep the the uh the pipe uh cleared so i can actually speak without gagging and coughing and all that shite um then uh, the mouse hunt has been um hopefully knockwood or some wood knockwood that wasn't my penis <laughs> um hopefully the mouse hunt is starting to die down i found that i had um at first i thought a mouse in my house um I noticed some little, what looked like, you know when you put little sprinkles on like a donut or on ice cream? Well, on my little stand beside my my chair where I sit and watch TV and eat and drink and everything, um, I noticed these little, look like chocolate sprinkles on the thing there. And I had ate like a Snickers bar or something. I can't remember what it was, but I thought, well, maybe it was a little shavings of that chocolate. I didn't taste it. But um, I put my finger on it, and it was, you know, hard and dry and everything. Well, it ended up, it was mouse turds. And how, I didn't know that at first, but then um, I found it, uh, I, I may have said this on the show, I found the dead mouse in the dog's water bowl in the basement. So that was one mouse. And I thought, oh, God, there's a mouse in the house. You know, maybe there's more than one. So I went and got some uh, traps. And I got these no-kill traps that are these like uh, metal boxes and they have a clear uh the lid has a, a clear like window so you can see if there's anything in there and you put a little peanut butter in there it's vented on the side so they can smell it and then there's two ways in but once they go through the thing to get in they can't get out and so i caught um 
trying to think. I caught one in the basement. Well, I saw one in my little bedroom in the upstairs of my house. It's getting ready to go to work, and I have like a motion detector light in there for some reason. I don't know why. I just <laughs> put it in there. So every time I walk in that room, the light comes on. And I walked in, and I saw something out of the corner of my eye. I thought it was a moth, and it was a mouse. Because then I saw it run under the bed and run into the closet. So I got the traps, and I caught that one. And then I caught one down in the basement with a different, tra- same kind of trap, but, you know, different. One. So I caught two, and they were alive. So when I was going to work, let them out, uh, out, you know, in the country as I was going to work. And um, then I put the traps back, and I didn't catch anything for, for a while. And I thought, okay, well, I caught one on a glue trap. And I'm, I can't remember if I had said before, it made me feel like shit, because if you catch them on a glue trap and you and when you go to check they're still alive it makes you feel like shit so i took it outside and i just metic i had to be really careful cuz that glue trap is so sticky and i got got it up off the glue trap and i let and i let it go and i even told it i said now god damn it don't come back <laughs> I imagine that mouse is running around with like fucking everything it touched stuck to it, stuck to its feet and everything else. But anyway, so that mouse, so that's three, uh, let's see, one dead in the water bowl, two in the traps, and then that one, that's four. So then after that, I didn't, I didn't catch anything and I didn't check the traps for, for like a week. Well, the next time I checked the fucking traps, I got, I got two more traps and I put them, in the basement behind, there's an old chimney that doesn't work anymore. It's closed up and everything. But I, and there's, it's like a little space back there. Uh, big enough to, to, to probably stand in, but that not much bigger than that. So I put it there, and I noticed that my grandma had put a little bit of uh, mouse, a little thing of mouse poison back there in the corner. I thought, well, you know, grandma lived here forever, so, you know, maybe that's where I should put it. So I put it there, one with peanut butter and the clear thing on top. And um, so when I went down to check it, and uh, um, it had three fucking mice in it. Two of them were, they were all dead. Two of them were like by the vents, like they were just like trying to get out and they couldn't get out. And the other one, the, the one or both of the other mice had killed it and like ate almost like half of it. And um, so then, you know, when I, when I picked the thing up, you could smell the dead mice. Um, and then there was one in one of those traps under my bed in the basement. And so that's four. So there was four to start with, and then four more. That's eight fucking mice. So, of course, these were all dead, and I went and I and I threw them out. And uh, that's the one thing, you know, I, I didn't mean to be cruel or whatever. But like I said, if you, if you catch them like that and they're alive, if I would have caught – if I would have went and checked – and they were still alive. I would have done the same thing. I would have took them out while I was going to work, drove like a few miles, and and let them off in the in a field or something. But I didn't check it. Well, okay, scan. Okay, that's cool. Let's see here. Hang on a second. That's good. Um, but they were dead. So you know, well, I I put out even some more traps, and I haven't caught anything. So hopefully there's no more in here. I haven't seen any upstairs. Uh, or any kind of droppings or anything like that. I've got little traps set every fucking where. <laughs> the whole goddamn house is full of fucking mouse traps. And I hope I don't catch any more. I mean, I, I, I wish I could figure out how they were getting in. I've never had this problem. I, I do know my grandma had had uh, mice a few times in the house. 
when we were younger because we would come uh, to visit and we would be sitting in the kitchen, you know, eating or something like that or just talking. And you'd hear one of those, you know, little, those traps like you see the wood ones that have the thing that that comes across and hits them in the head. And uh, she would hear that and go running down the basement, but she would never catch it. She'd never catch one. It would get the cheese and take off, I guess. So anyway, there has been mice in the house before. And the, the, I looked online and it said, the, you know, the best thing you can do is just keep setting the traps until you don't catch anymore. And then they're, they're dead. They're gone or whatever. I didn't want to put poison out because, you know, you, you're taking a chance with the dogs and everything. Plus, if they get poison and they die, it's a horrible way to die. But if they die... And say they die somewhere in some nook or something, and you can't find out where they're at. They, you know, they stink while they're rotting, you know. So anyway, that's the whole mouse scenario. And now I'm looking around to make sure it's not crawling across the floor. Like I said, upstairs, I caught that one, and that was it. Now they were all down in the basement. And I've got all the drains and everything down there plugged up because of... um, you know, when, when we had the floods a few times and the and the sewer wasn't working correctly and the water, came, the rainwater came up through the sewer, so I plugged those up. So they're not coming up through the drain, so there must be a little hole or something somewhere where they're getting in. But, ooh, and uh, <laughs> that was a, a mouse deterrent that I just uh, put out. Anyway, so um, got some com- movie conversation here to talk about. Uh, kind of going to do the little informal deal. I did watch some stuff. And it's going to be mixed in with some of the online things that we've been talking about and and um, some of the things that you guys have, have put up, questions and polls and things like that. But so we're just going to mix it all up a little bit. And then, like I said, I've been watching some uh, – for, for, for the most part on TV when I'm at home, I've been watching more like um, uh, movie-related – like documentaries or interviews, like with Quentin Tarantino, um, the um, oh, the Criterion, the little Criterion videos that they do with famous actors or directors, where they have them at Criterion, <laughs> where they actually uh, I don't know if it's uh, their store or where they they ship the movies from or whatever. And they have a little room that has all the DVDs that of the, of movies that they've done and they let um some of the the famous directors or actors go in and go th- and look at the shelf and pick out movies that they want or that that remind them of something and then they talk about. It. They're only about like maybe uh, not even 10 minutes long, but it, they're interesting and one was uh with Nicholas Vinding Refn um I'm trying to think who else uh, off the top of my head. Oh, my God. Alec Baldwin was in one. Um, mm, the guy that <laughs> – Jesus. Uh, Gaspard, no way. Uh, some of those guys like that, it's interesting because of the of the movies that they pick out that, that uh, mean something to them. They talk about like when they saw this or that or some that they have never seen. And they're like, oh, my, oh uh, you guys have this, you know, this is the one I want because I think they, they let them go out and pick whatever they want. Um, and so those are pretty cool. And um, I watched um, several interviews with Truman Capote uh, on Dick Cavett and some other shows. Uh, For some reason, it's just like when I was talking before on uh, the podcast or on um, uh, Paleo Cinema, which I did did that podcast a a week or so ago with uh, Terry Frost. Uh, When I would, something would strike my fancy. 
uh, when I was younger, I, I got a, um, I think it, what kind of magazine was it? Um, Vanity Fair, I think, had a magazine, and Dennis Hopper was on the cover. And because of, you know, the Easy Rider connection, they had a picture of him. This is when he came back and was doing Blue Velvet and um, Hoosiers and things like that. He was making his big comeback. And uh, it was a career retrospective and everything. But because of the Easy Rider um, connection with motorcycles, they had the, – the cover was Dennis Hopper then when he was probably, say, 50. And he had on, uh, like, this riding gear that you would see, like, a sport bike rider ride with, with, with a sport bike. I can't remember what kind of bike it was. But it was a really cool cover. And I really liked the article, and that got me interested in looking up and watching everything about Dennis Hopper that I could find. The old stuff all the way back to Giants and um, – um, I think Hell for Texas, um, um, Rebel Without a Cause, and the things where he was doing studio stuff, and then um, and the motorcycle. Then when he started doing the motorcycle movies, not just Easy, but before Easy Rider, where he's doing like I have his, uh, if it was Glory Stompers and things like that. And then of course when he got into the real super drug stuff, and um, then American friend, the American friend. Uh, when he started, he was just starting to um, kind of he was he was notorious and uh, Mad Dog Morgan and things like that, where he nobody would hire him and he was going you know to other countries and making movies and causing lots of trouble and stuff. But um, then when he made his big comeback and he and he directed Colors and um, like I said, um, who he was in Hoosiers, uh, which had a great part in that, and I think got best supporting actor maybe um and um blue velvet they there was a um another i wish he would have directed some more movies uh that what i would consider important movies now he did the hot spot with don johnson virginia madsen jennifer conley which i liked that movie and it was a noir uh modern noir and i'll be talking about it later uh but he also did one with tom berenger which was a um kind of a light-hearted road kind of a movie um what was that called just look it up real quick um it was uh about tom berenger was like a a a shore patrol guy in the navy kind of like um the last detail with uh jack nicholson and, and randy quaid but it was um they were escorting uh it was tom berenger who was the old tough old um uh, CPO or whatever in the Navy and um, he and, and they were like shore patrol and they were escorting a girl and he had a young guy with him uh, um, and you know had, you had that dynamic what was that called it it was it was what it was it wasn't like when you saw colors which you know was getting nominated for Oscars and things like that uh, but this movie wasn't wasn't that good as as far as like that but it but it was kind of more a um a, kind of a funny thing. And Erica Laniac was in it with her, and uh, you got to see her in a thong, which was pretty good, pretty hot. Uh, the cha- or Chasers, not The Chasers, Chasers. And uh, Tom Berger played Rock Riley. Uh, but that was okay. Like I said, it, it was kind of like um, uh, just kind of a light-hearted movie, and you had the dynamic of the young sailor, and uh, Erica Laniac was, was more... Uh, 
like kind of she was really hot of course she was like a centerfold for playboy and all this stuff and she was she was the 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 hot chick on baywatch before pamela anderson was ever on the show and so then she's kind of manipulating things and turning giving the young guy a boner and then tom berenger's like i'm too fucking over this shit you know and trying to keep that young guy in line and he wants to let her go sort of like i said like the last detail but a different you know last detail was much better movie so anyway um what I was going to say was then, then as far as like falling down the rabbit hole of like, uh, you know, with Robert De Niro, Sean Connery, Dennis Hopper, whoever, um, I'm curious is like some of you guys, cause that's one thing I was going to ask, uh, where you like here recently, uh, this past week or so, uh, with me, I, I want, I started looking up movies with Ralph Meeker for some reason. I just, I remember seeing him in kiss me deadly and then, uh, in winter kills and then got online, read about his biography and everything, started reading stuff as much as I c- could find about him. And then I wanted to find movies that he was in. So I watched several movies with him. But falling down that rabbit hole, and then, like I said, with um, uh, this past week, or not this past week, but just this past few days, I came across um, the, some a bunch of interviews with Truman Capote, and then, of course, seeing In Cold Blood with Robert Blake, um, which I thought was a fantastic movie. That was one of those movies um, I had on VHS, and I'm telling you, I probably watched that movie 20 times. And there was there were several times when I when I, it, it really just caught my attention, um, and I watched it. Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, there was probably a couple of weeks where I was watching it like every day because I was just mesmerized by that movie. Um, and Capote said when he sold the rights to make to the book to make that movie, he did it with the express um, stipulation that he could pick. He said he wanted all the actors to be unknowns, good actors but unknowns. He wanted it to be shot in black and white. He wanted the entire movie to be shot where everything took place, including the the house where the clutter murder actually took place and everything and everything that he said when they when and the movie hadn't even came out on the um uh when they were doing the interview the one that I watched cuz I watched about 10 different interviews with Truman Capote uh and another reason that I I it, it caught my attention and and I wanted to watch those interviews which some of them I had seen before like on Dick Cavett where he had Truman Capote on there Groucho Marx which was pretty funny because Groucho you know just kept chiming in and and trying to be humorous but also just trying to to uh to um, take over the conversation and and everything and Capote how he kind of dealt with him and gave him some jabs back and everything and they were kind of giving each other little jabs and and with Dick Cavett in the middle trying to keep not keep the peace because it didn't get heated or anything but um, it was funny watching them the two joust Um, but also because uh, watching the movie Capote with Philip Seymour Hoffman and oh my gosh the one with Toby Jones um, what was that one called? It was another one. They came out about the same time, um, where they both played Truman Capote. Let me find that one because I just wanted to to tell you. Toby Jones is in a lot of stuff, and he's a good actor. Uh, let's go back. Uh, 
to the early 2000s, 2000s, he played Ar- <laughs> Dr. Armand Zola <laughs> in uh, Winter Soldier, which, you know, if you if you uh, read Captain America comics, with like uh, Jack Kirby did, uh, Armand Zola was this big TV screen, <laughs> big TV screen with a uh, with arms and legs, which is kind of cool. Where is that now? How, why is it so hard to find things? That's that's a question I want you all to uh, to to uh, address. Uh, it shouldn't be too hard to find because oh, Infamous uh, from 2006, where Toby Jones played Truman Capote. Both of those were really good. Um, I'm partial to the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think it was more. Um, I don't know. I shouldn't say it was more. Uh, Shit, Toby Jones definitely looked more like Truman Capote, uh, but Philip Seymour Hoffman did do a good job. I think this is the one that Daniel Craig played, Perry Smith, and Sandra Bullock played um, Harper Lee, and I thought that uh, Catherine Keener played her in the other one, and I liked Catherine Keener better. Uh, uh, Infamous was more about. Truman Capote and his life uh you know it had like um Gore Vidal uh you know uh, the character somebody playing Gore Vidal um and just famous people other it wasn't just all about In Cold Blood Capote with Philip Seymour Hoffman was more about In Cold Blood what but the, I mean the whole movie was about in, uh, um, him going and researching and spending time with um Perry Smith and Dick Hickok, the guys that killed the Clutter family and everything. Um, but anyway, this actually makes me want to go back and watch Infamous because I've watched Capote probably ten times. That was one that I also watched uh, a bunch just because I was really interested after you know watching In Cold Blood and being interested in that whole story and everything. I do want to go back and now I think I've only seen Infamous maybe once and I thought it was really good, but the whole time I was watching it I was comparing it to Capote and that's not fair. You know, it's not fair, but I do want to go back and watch this because after watching those Truman Capote interviews um which, you know, only one was really about. They brought up in Cold Blood on the different ones, but um only one was, you know, completely about that but i want to watch the the one infamous from 2006 because it's more about his entire life and i guess it's a it says a it was based on the book by george plimpton uh who did uh, paper lion and he's the um the uh, writer who went and paper lion he went and um uh went through the detroit lions training camp and actually, I think got to play like one play or two plays or something like that in a in an exhibition game. And then he did one called uh, Mad Ducks, Bears, and oh god, what was it called? Man, I can't remember now. But Mad Ducks, Bears, and something where he went uh, and revisited that same thing, but he went through the um, Baltimore Colts training camp. And then they played in an exhibition game against the Lions, and a whole shitload of the guys that he went through the training camp with um, um, 
for the for the Lions were still on the team, so they were, you know, wanting to get him, I guess, and knock the shit out of him and stuff, which would be kind of funny. Anyway, so George Plimpton's an interesting character too, and, and a pretty good writer. I have I have a couple of those books, and I thought they were pretty good. Um, let's see here. Where are we at? What am I? Okay, this Toby Jones. I got to get off here. Toby Jones. What's he got coming up? Blut. Snowman. That was with Michael Fassbender. And it wasn't very good. Why am I doing Sean Connery when I'm talking about Fassbender? Fassbender has that big smile, man. I'm telling you what. Big dick and a big smile. Woo! Okay, so anyway... I did watch some movies, and like I said, they're going to be clustered in here with uh, some of the shite uh, that I'm going to be running my mouth about. I watched The Ballad of Lefty Brown from 2017. This was directed and written by Jared Moshe, or Moshe, M-O-S-H-E. Stars Bill Pullman, uh, Peter Fonda. Uh, Let's see, who else is in this? Kathy Baker. Oh... There were some bad guys in old Jim Caviezel. Jesus. Um, I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Sorry about that. Something must have went up the old nostrils. So this is a Western. Um, like I said, 2017. Bill Pullman is really good in this. When I was watching it, what it reminded me of, honest to God, he reminded me of like uh if you ever watched <clears throat> the long running american tv show gunsmoke was um they had a character uh uh that ken uh, ken curtis played called uh festus hagen and he was matt marshal matt dillon's sidekick he was a deputy and he was kind of a real redneck uh, kind of, eh, Matthew, what? And, and instead of riding a horse, he rode a mule, which I always thought was cool. You know, it actually gave him some pizzazz, you know, he rode a mule. And he wasn't stupid, um, he was just real country, um, as compared, I mean, all of them were, were living out in the West, but he was kind of like a, a hillbilly, kind of like a redneck, you know, uh, hillbilly kind of guy. And, uh, but that show went on forever. But Ken Curtis was also in, like a whole fucking shitload of stuff, old movies all the way back to like the John Ford westerns. Uh, he, I think he was in like a, I had said one time before he was in the uh, the movie The Searchers with John Wayne and Jeffrey Hunter, and uh, back then he was a really good looking guy, and he could sing and everything. Uh, he was known you know to be able to sing and uh, uh, really handsome. Well, when they made him Festus Hagen. He, of course, they made him up to look like this kind of a rube. He was always kind of had, uh, kind of unshaven. He'd he'd squint one eye all the time, and he and he talk, hey Matthew, you know Matthew, and all this stuff. And um, but that was just all his character, and people loved that show. It's almost like Bonanza, uh, another American western that that went on for so long that people thought of like Hoss Cartwright, which was Dan Blocker, that he was Hoss Cartwright. And when he would go on TV show, variety shows and everything, a lot of the times he would dress like Hoss. And Ken Curtis would, I, I remember seeing a clip of him singing, uh, you know, uh, Tumbling Tumbleweed. Drifting along with a tumbling tumbleweed, which they played in The Big Lebowski. 
Um, and when he was on that show and he was singing because he was showing, you know, his chops as a singer, a lot of people didn't realize, unless you saw the, the, some of the old movies he was in, that he could sing. He dressed like Festus. So people almost like, hey, Festus. You know, he'd be one of those guys that's like, Jesus fucking Christ, I'm not Festus, you know. But I don't think he was ever like that. He seemed pretty humble. <laughs> But anyway, you know, just from what I see on TV, I'm sure he was a pretty cool guy. He could have been the biggest bastard in the world for all I know and hated that character, but he may, probably made him a lot of money. But what I was going to say was this movie, The Battle of Lefty Brown, it reminded me if they took the the TV show Gunsmoke and you saw what happened after uh, Matt Dillon, Marshall Dillon, and Festus and all of them retired, and then something happens, and Festus, something happens, and Festus has to, because he loves Marshall Dillon, uh, and you know they were best friends and everything, has to go on like almost like a Wyatt Earp like uh, uh, revenge ride, and that's kind of what this is. Um, but I mean, it's not. That's what I'm saying. It's not those kids. That's just what it reminded me of, and uh, which I thought was a cool concept. I wish they would have actually called the characters those names and everything. That would have been fucking awesome. But it, it you know, they are different characters. That just they just reminded me of of uh, like I said, those characters. But this is definitely worth a watch. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought Bill Pullman did a really good job uh, of playing kind of like a. Um, when I when I say dim-witted, he wasn't stupid. He just wasn't educated, and then there were people that thought he was stupid, but he wasn't. I mean, and, and he had a lot of courage and a lot of heart and everything uh, and was a really good guy. Um, so I, I thought that, what the fuck, who's this? Oh, <laughs> I got a text. Uh, anyway, so anyway, that's nothing. Um but it's, I recommend this. If you like Westerns, you'll like it. And like I said, I thought Bill Pullman did a really good job. Let's move on from The Ballad of Lefty Brown. I watched a movie uh, from 1961 uh, called Ada. And this was directed by Daniel Mann and was written by Arthur Sheikman and William Driscoll. And it stars uh, uh, Susan Hayward and... Uh, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's more. <laughs> Dino Martino. Um, and I thought this was really good. And one of the reasons that I discovered this, as I said in the uh, intro to this show, was I was going down the Ralph Meeker rabbit hole. God damn it. So anyway, it's my mommy. <laughs> She's texting me. <laughs> I can't talk now, Mom! God damn it! <laughs> so anyway, Ralph Meeker is in this, and this is how I discovered it. Uh, it also, okay, Susan Hayward, uh, Dean Martin, uh, Ralph Meeker, Martin Balsam. Uh, who else is in this? Um, yeah, is Charles Watts, but that's not fucking from the Rolling Stones. <laughs> okay, so the, the whole point, the whole story of this is... Um, Dean Martin is a politician, and um, he's running for governor. And he's he's like almost like uh, Andy Griffith in um, that movie. <laughs> What's that movie called with Andy Griffith? <laughs> 
Oh, God damn it. I, I, I don't think this one's going to come to me, so I better look it up. Um, I can picture everything, but as my dad would say, Andy Griffiths. Drifting, facing the crowd. Okay, uh, Dean Martin's kind of like the Andy Griffith character in Face in the Crowd, except not a jerk. Um, the, these, um, this political machine, uh, rich, uh, like almost like a producer in movies, uh, finds Dean Martin, and he's got a, ton, a shitload of charisma. He's a good-looking guy, and he can sing. So. It, when he would go give like stump speeches and stuff like that, he would, you know, give, hey, you know, uh, uh, I like to come up here and give a little talk about what I'm going to do about social security and everything. But, you know, I'm not the kind of person that likes to get up here and be big and now I'm kind of singing like, or sound like Bing Crosby, but, uh, um, so let's do, I'm, I'm going to do a little ditty, you know, so he would sing a song and stuff, but he was entertaining. It was like going to a show. He would talk about the things he was going to do, but he would also sing and stuff. And Dean Martin had, you know, that smoky, you know, voice, uh, ring, ring a ling a ling, ring a ling a ling, ring a ling a ling, Montebella, ought to say, and the funny thing is, um, I was I love watching those old panel show or like talk shows, Johnny Carson and things like that, because they were a hundred times better than like Jimmy Fallon, where he just has people come on and they like debase themselves by playing these stupid fucking games where they get water thrown in their face and all this shit. And some people might like that, but I, I like when they get on there and actually ask them fucking questions and get a conversation going, which they did on the old shows. And sometimes when you watch the old shows. Like Johnny Carson, Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, uh, Dick Cavett, and things like that. It's it seems weird and it, at times um, not clunky, but um, the, it doesn't just flow um, unnaturally. Where on these new shows, where they give them all the questions ahead of time. And so they can ask, you know, ask them questions and they know what they're going to say and they plan everything. They just get on there and they would just talk. So sometimes, uh, sometimes some of the jokes wouldn't hit. And sometimes there might be a little bit of uh, an uncomfortable silence or whatever. But, you know, that was up to the. But they they kept it going and you, and you actually learn stuff. But like now, Dean Martin when he was on Johnny Carson and I heard this a lot about him in general, his character on stage after I think after he left Jerry Lewis, or Jerry Lewis and him split up, um, was always kind of like you know he'd come out there with a you know again I'm sounding more like Bing Crosby, but he would always have a drink in his hand and he would act like he was drunk, and they said he was never drunk. He didn't even drink. He would always have like iced tea or something in that glass. Now I have heard stories about him and Frank Sinatra going out and fucking. I don't know if they were shit-faced or what, but causing a lot of problems and getting in fucking fights with people and shit and just beating the shit out of people and, you know, but I don't know, you know. Uh, so anyway, Susan Hayward is becoming like a personal favorite of mine. Number one, she's got that red hair. She was a really good actress. And um, so what the deal was... <laughs> 
<laughs> I lost track. Um, Dean Martin, they they go to this place and they're, you know, and um, uh, he's got this political rally. Well, they go to this joint and uh, and uh, he just happens to see Susan Hayward and she works in this like bar. So he starts talking to her and she's kind of like, you know, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know, and he goes, what do you mean? You don't know who I am. And, <laughs> and she's like, I have no fucking idea who you are, you know. So then anyway, they end up... Um, she doesn't fall for his usual smooth, you know, as they said in the, the in the fucking Godfather, your your fucking olive oil skin and your fucking guinea charm. Um, so she doesn't bend over backwards and do black flips for him. So that intrigues him, and he ends up. They end up hooking up, but they don't like screw. Um, they, you know, he says, you know, I just want to go out and talk to you, you know, and get to know you. But it was better than what I just said, you know. So anyway, they actually meet and they kind of like each other, so they fall in love. And he's like, you know what? Why don't we? Why don't you marry me? Why don't you marry me? You know, let's get married. She's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And he goes, there's only one time, and you know, it comes around, and you meet somebody, and goddamn, you know, uh, uh, let's take a chance. Let's take a chance and see how this works. And you know, I'm gonna be governor. <laughs> And she's like, uh, 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 what the fuck? I'm working at this goddamn fucking bar, you know, and shit. So, you know, uh, okay. You know, that's how they, they go off and they fucking get married. And then the, um, the, the, the political, his, his, um, his, uh, not pundits, but, uh, his machine, you know, the people that are his advisors and everything, they're like, you know, who's this? And he goes, this is my wife. You know? <laughs> Her name's Ada, and that's what the movie's called. So anyway, I recommend this. It was pretty good, and um, there was a lot of uh, like political intrigue, and um, look out, almost like a feminist slant. Because at this time, you know, you wouldn't expect you just expect the the woman in the movie to be kind of like you know there for um, her you know for good looks or whatever. But it was kind of like you know, hey. Uh, I'm not just here to be a pretty face and to hang on your arm, you know. And he's like, oh, goddamn, you know, you can hang on the end of my fucking dick. That's Ben Crosby, too. (laughs) (laughs) My mom said my grandpa, which was my dad's father, was a huge Dean Martin fan. So I'm sure there's Dean Martin albums around here. I'm pretty sure I have them in this closet right here. So anyway... It's it's pretty good. Um, you have a the the dynamic I like is between it's not a, a love triangle, but uh, between um, Dean Martin, um, Susan Hayward, and the guy who is the his backer, like the rich old dude. I think that might have been Sylvester Marin. Uh, no, no, or was it? Ralph Meeker? No, Ralph Meeker was the cop. He was real fucking... Okay, that's another thing I was going to say, because that's one of the reasons I, I watched this, um, was because Ralph Meeker's in it. Man, he was a fucking sleazy... He was a cop in this, the head of the state police, but he was a fucking sleazy fucking piece of shit. Um, like I said, I think Sylvester Marin... Um, um, oh, no, no, no. Sylvester Marin was the character, and it was played by uh, Wilfred Hyde White. And he was like, the, he would be almost like the Coke brothers, except just one Coke. Uh, no Coke Pepsi. No fries, cheaps. Let's move on from Ada. That's one I recommend, people. It's really good for, you know, like I said, movie 1961. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good, and I'd never heard about it before. Uh, 
And then, of course, uh, just saw this week, uh, Robert Redford said he's retiring from acting. Um, he made that movie that's coming out, The Old Man and the Gun, which I've heard a lot of. Uh, he produced that, too. Um, I heard that um, people are giving, like, some Oscar talk about that one. I think, that, isn't that the one with Sissy Spacek? Um, but anyway, Robert Redford's going to retire, and I'm kind of sad about that because I love Robert Redford. Um, just going down through his, um, God, he's got so many movies that I really like. Uh, but I'm just going to go through a few of those while I'm here talking to you. Yes. What's the first thing? Okay, I remember he was in the, this movie War Hunt, but I don't think I saw that. I, I have a, I actually have a Robert Redford like coffee table book, and so he was in a shitload of uh, of uh, TV um, movies and TV shows and stuff up until 1965, and then he he started making, um, uh, you know, big big screen, big cinema, Inside Daisy Clover. I saw that. What was that? I thought I saw that, and I talked about it on the show. Okay, that was Natalie Wood, and she was really nuts in that. And Christopher Plummer. Um, I remember watching that. It was pretty good. Um, Natalie Wood was more the the lead in that. And then she, um, there were like several suitors. I remember Shirley MacLaine was in a movie like that where she had, and, and uh, Barbara Streisand, where she had different guys that came along and that she hooked up with, and uh, it was pretty good. But she was kind of she was kind of crazy. Um, but that one's a pretty good movie. Now where did I lost my place? How to lose my place? Okay, where's Daisy at? Oh, my back, people. Got to hang upside down after the show like a bat. Okay, the chase with. Um, uh, that was a Marlon Brando movie with uh, Jane Fonda and um, Robert Redford played uh, Bubber. <laughs> I always thought it was Bubba, uh, Bubba Reeves, and that Marlon Brando was just mumbling and said Bubber instead of Bubba. But it actually says that Robert Redford's character was Charlie Bubber Reeves. Okay, and this deal was uh, Marlon Brando was the. Um, the sheriff or the chief of police of this small town in the south and um, um, Robert Redford was a convict and he was in jail but he escaped so everybody's like we gotta you know you gotta get out there and catch Bubba you know Bubba's Bubba's coming and he's gonna want to get revenge on you know on everybody but the thing about that movie was <clears throat> number one I, Martin Brando was a good-looking dude and and um, uh, he, I, I, that was one of that was one of those movies that one of the reasons I saw it. It was on T W T B S quite a bit back in the day when they used to show uh, movies, a lot old movies. Um, but um, it was one of these movies. It was 1966, and things were kind of starting to turn. And and it wasn't just a movie like uh, this guy Bubber escaped from like like a like a high plains drifter where the the guy escapes from um or no uh, high noon with gary cooper where the guy escapes from prison or several guys and they're coming back to the town to get revenge on the town it was it had a lot of adult themes that were kind of uh insinuated or 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 talked about but not just openly and like i think some of the like the people in the town like all the rich people i think they were like swingers and they had key parties and stuff where they would you know uh you go to a party and when you walked in you dropped your keys in the bowl and um 
they would all get drunk and shit faced, and then you would just go pick up a, uh, the girl would go pick up the key, and whoever's key they got, they left with. So they go fuck, you know. Uh, so that was a pretty good movie. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. And I, I lo- I'm, I'm a big Marlon Brando fan, especially now. Of course, I liked him in um, in The Godfather and everything, but I liked a lot of the stuff that he did, um, kind of in between. I loved On the Waterfront, and um, uh, I, I loved On the Waterfront. I did not love as much. Um, um, streetcar Named Desire. I thought he was really good at it and everything, but if you had to compare the two, I liked On the Waterfront better. Uh, but stuff in between there, um, like uh, the movie Moratory with him and Yul Brenner, uh, uh, World War II movie, which I thought was pretty really good. Um, let's see. But anyway, and of course Apocalypse Now, and, and then he started making the shitty ones when he was really fat, and you know, it, like him and Ed Norton and. Robert De Niro or whoever, and uh, you know when he played Doctor Moreau and stuff, and those weren't very good. I, you know, I still like Brando, but just seeing him when he was so fat and and uh, just passed it and collecting a check, and it was it was sad. Uh, this property is condemned. Of course, Robert Redford star of that, and uh, he's the guy that's coming into town that's going to. I can't remember if they were putting a railroad through or what. I haven't seen it in a long time, but Charles Bronson is also in this and uh, Natalie Wood, and she was super-duper fucking hot in this. And she was, like, hooking up with Robert Redford, or going to, or wanted to, or did. And then her mother uh, was um, fucking Charles Bronson, who was way younger than her. So she was like a MILF, and then she had this hot daughter. Well, Charles Bronson was fucking her, uh, and I think that was Kate Reed, and but he was also trying to fuck Natalie Wood while he was fucking the mother, which was really cool. Again, this is another one that had those had those uh, 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 like the, these adult themes that you normally wouldn't have seen. Dabney Coleman is also in this. Robert Blake, who was in, in Cold Blood that I talked about there earlier, uh, but this was a this was a good one too. It wasn't great, but it's worth a watch because it's like the chase. It has some really seedy shit. Okay, that was Tennessee Williams. No wonder. <laughs> who uh, Truman Capote also talked about in uh, in those interviews. Where where is it? I wanted to see who wrote uh, the chase. Bubber, where's Bubber at? Hey Bubber. Uh, let's see. Oh God damn! Now I gotta scroll all the way back down. But at least I know where it's it's close to being. The Tennessee Williams, of course. So like now I know why that was kind of a sleazy Southern Gothic kind of a deal. Um, hmm. Arthur Penn directed uh, The Chase, uh, but that was by Lillian Hellman. And it was based on a play by Horton Foote and Lillian Hellman. So let's get out of here and go back to Robert Redford. Robert Redford. Like Robert Redford. He's a cool dude and he's an environmentalist and everything. Um... Let's see. Barefoot in the Park. I like that one. It's it's very... Um, whereas these other two movies, The Chase and This Property Condemned, have that kind of seedy, dirty, 
underbelly kind of a thing. Barefoot in the Park was more of a, almost like a rom-com with him and a young Jane Fonda who was really hot, of course. And they're new, newly married, you know, and in love. And it, I think it was based on a play too. Uh, but it was kind of a cool movie. But it was uh, not a cool movie. I watched it again. It was on WTBS quite a bit back in the day. And it was just kind of a nice little movie. There wasn't a lot of uh, of uh, nastiness or him, you know, uh, you know, uh, face fucking Jane Fonda or anything like that. Um, then the next thing that comes up is uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which is an old family favorite. We went to see it at the drive-in, and I'm going to have to pause the show for a moment. So Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, I don't even want to say what the uh, the break was for because I think you all know what it was for. <laughs> I have I have more more uh, uh, digestive tract distress on this show than any other podcast that there is going out there, and I challenge anybody else to uh, have more problems with their uh, whatever. Anyway, so Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid came out in 1969, and oh my, wait a minute. Okay, this why why even do that? That doesn't even make sense. But it stars Paul Newman. Robert Redford, why we're talking about it, and um, Catherine Ross as Etta Place, and uh, uh, Bob plays Sundance Kid, and Paul Newman plays Butch Cassidy. Now, we did go see this when we were little kids. I mean, little kids. I think it was like maybe in six years old or something like that. And uh, my dad and my mom uh, took all three of us kids to the drive-in, and we were watching Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and when uh, Sundance has a has a uh, a uh, pistol pointed at at a place he's hiding out in her house when she comes home and uh she starts to undress and she turns around and sees him and he cocks his fucking gun and just says keep on going he wants her to get naked or anything and and she starts undoing her clothes and everything and uh um uh my dad says if she takes off one more stitch we're we're going getting or we're going home. And my mom said, yeah, and then you're going to turn around and come back, which I'll, I mean, my God, like I said, I was probably like six years old and I still remember that. We still laugh about it every time we talk about this movie. This is a really good movie. I thought it was excellent. And, um, it made you like, uh, first of all, the, um, chemistry between Redford and Newman was so good. And because they, they actually were, became friends you know, lifelong friends, I think, after this movie. Um, but um, you liked them so much, and because they, and because the way the movie built up their friendship, and, and um, the, the, uh, almost like the triangle between Butch Sundance and Etta Place, um, that when the ultimate ending of the movie happened, oh my God, it, it just made you feel like shit. And it, and it, 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 uh, really, you felt like you were watching, you know, somebody that you really cared about, you know, meet their, their, their fate. Um, but it also portrayed them as, you know, likable outlaws as it did most, you know, like almost like their whole gang and everything. And I'm sure that the real guys weren't, were quite like that. So, um, 
but it, it, I thought it was good, and, and uh, uh, I've said it before on this show, a really good companion piece to this movie is uh, Blackthorn with Sam Shepard, which came out a few years ago before he died, uh, and it's, it's excellent uh, to watch after you watch this one. Uh, Downhill Racer was a really good movie about uh, Olympic um, skiing. Redford was always attached to the uh, Colorado, like Denver, uh, the Colorado area, and was into skiing and everything. Uh, this was a, I thought this was a really good movie, and um, also starred Gene Hackman. Uh, so, I mean, I, I like both of them together, and Hackman was great as the coach. Uh, Redford, in this movie, um, he... I think he played this kind of, even in um, This Property Condemned, The Chase, and you'll see it in other movies coming up, where he kind of plays the quiet guy, but even when it came to dealing with women, he's always kind of um, an asshole. Um, not, the, like he, uh, it's hard to explain, uh, not out and out an asshole. In some movies, he was like Little Foss and Big Halsey, and uh, you know, as far as women go, he he could he his character was never like, uh, except for like Barefoot in the Park. You know, he was a likable guy and was in love and all this stuff. But even in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the way he treated at a place, um, he wasn't like mean, but he was just like distant and I guess because he was such a good looking motherfucker he could get away with it so anyway but Downhill Racer is another good one that I recommend um, um, and uh, <clears throat> Redford doesn't have a ton of dialogue in it it's almost shot like almost like a documentary like feel uh, especially when they're at the at the uh, you know doing the racing and stuff like that almost like uh, the Steve McQueen movie Le Mans um Tell Him Willie Boy is here. That also starred Robert Blake. Uh, Redford plays sheriff, Deputy Sheriff Christopher Coop Cooper. Now, this one, I think Loaf watched it here recently for the first time, and he didn't like it that much. It's not like one of my favorites. I like it just because of, I love Redford and Robert Blake. And um, also, um, um, it has Alex Karras' wife. Uh, was it Susan Clark? Catherine, Catherine Ross. Okay, yeah, Catherine Ross was in this too, uh, but she was not. Uh, she didn't have much to do with Robert Redford in this, like she did in Butch Cassidy and Sunday's Kid. She was. This was based on a true story, and she was the girlfriend of Willie Boy, who was Robert Blake, and they're chasing them. Uh, yeah, and Susan Clark. Yeah, that she eventually married Alex Karras, um, the football player and the guy who played Mongo in Blazing Saddles. And he was also in Paper Lion, where he played himself. Blut. See what I'm saying? You learn stuff. <laughs> From this show. Okay. God damn it. Why do I keep flipping back? Daddy-o. Get back up there. Uh, Little Falls and Big Halsey is an old personal favorite of mine. Saw a long time ago, even before I got into motorcycles. But um, this is a... The movie revolves around these two knuckleheads that um, go around and how they make their money is entering these dirt track and um, um, oval dirt track and motocross uh, races. And um, 
it's got Michael J. Pollard and who is Little Foss. Big Halsey is Robert Redford, and he's really good in this. He, again, he's just a shit uh, as far as women go. Every place that he goes, he's got a different woman. He fucks different one every time. He changes his hats in this movie noticeably. He has, every time you see him, he's got a different kind of hat on, whether it's a cowboy hat, it's a fucking like World War One fighter ace hat, a baseball hat, a fucking sombrero. Uh, but he changes his hats as much as he changes the women that he's fucking. He's almost like one of those wrestlers that are, that's got, or a sailor that's got a different woman in every port. Uh, but it's pretty good. I like it. I, th- I thought it was uh, just his assholishness. Little Foss is just the, a likable kind of uh, elfish, elfin, elfish looking guy. Of course, Michael J. Pollard's the guy that played C.W. Moss and um, Bonnie and Clyde, uh, which I think had their f- its forty first anniversary here just uh, recently this week. Uh, but he also was in uh, Dirty Little Billy and a whole bunch of fucking movies. Michael J. Pollard is a really good actor. Uh, but it, it, I lo- I really like this movie. Johnny Cash did the soundtrack, which is pretty cool. Uh, I still have not seen the Hot Rock. That's one that I missed out. It's like, I don't know if I'd say it's a uh, hall of sh- or a wall of shame or whatever everybody wants to call the movies that they've seen because I don't know if it's that good. But I think that one's got, um, um, oh, what's his name? Siegel that was in Bridge of Remagen. Uh George Siegel. I wanted to, I wanted to say Dawn, but uh, that's a director. Um, so anyway, I need to see that one just to uh, polish off my Bob. Bob Talk. Jeremiah Johnson, of course, is a great fucking movie. I believe that uh, that fat, bloated douchebag, um, uh, what's his name? What's that dick's name that fucking... (laughs) That fat asshole that... uh, Melius, yeah. Okay, that's what I was thinking about. I couldn't fucking pull it out of my ass. Sidney Pollack uh, directed this, and this was... um, based on uh, the Crow Killer, uh, Liver Eaton Johnson book. Um, but anyway, uh, this this started, I think, the um, kind of uh, a working relationship between Robert Redford and Sidney Pollack. I think they became friends, and they liked working together. Will Gear is also in this. But this is the quintessential and classic Mountain Man movie. Um, and... Um, it's a real good one. It's entertaining. It's got a lot. It's got some nasty violence in it, but it also has some funny stuff in it too. Uh, it's an old favorite. Again, that's another one they used to show on TBS all the time. The Candidate um, with uh, for a better way, Bill McKay, uh, Peter Boyle, and Robert Redford. Robert Redford is Bill McKay, and he is uh, almost like Barack Obama. He was a community organizer and things like that. Uh, working on some project for this watershed uh, thing in California. And uh, Peter Boyle kind of discovers him. He's a political guru. And he says, hey, we want you to run for political office. And he's like, you know, kind of like, a, not a hippie, but, you know, Robert Redford at that time, he could have the long fucking blonde hair, even though he was a redhead. Uh, and he had a red beard, which we always thought was funny in Jeremiah Johnson that Robert Redford had uh blonde hair but then when he grew his beard out it was red uh but he actually was a redhead so i think they dyed his hair um blonde um but anyway uh this is a really good movie it's a really good political movie it it shows uh, this would be a good companion piece with uh 
uh, All the President's Men because it it's a political movie, but it's done really well. It shows all the shit they do on the campaign trail, how they make him look a certain way, how he kind of bucks the system. He's almost kind of like a Bobby Kennedy uh, type of uh, uh candidate without the money <laughs> okay and then there's the way we were with uh bob and barbara streisand where he plays hubble hubble you know and he's in love with a communist uh who is uh barbara streisand i've seen this one time and i actually liked it but uh you know uh i like babs i think she had a, a nice ass and she had some pretty nice titties too uh <laughs> Hubble. Anyway, so his name was Hubble, and he and uh, it goes through like when they were in college and they first meet, and he's like a jock and all this shit, and she's like a uh, um, kind of I don't know if I don't want to say a Jewish American princess because she was more like involved in wanting to or wanting to get involved in politics and all this shit, and he was just like you know oh, fucking do this bullshit, and it goes through their life uh, when they get all you know uh, they're they're together and they go apart, get back together, and then when they get older and stuff like that. But it's pretty good. Um, like I said, I have no problem with Barbara Streisand. Uh, you know, I even like some of her music, so I don't know. And she, When she played Esther Hoffman Howard in, um, oh, God, what the fuck in hell is that goddamn fucking movie called? <laughs> oh, my God, watch closely now with Chris Christopherson. Um, Star is born. Okay, so anyway. I like Barbara Streisand. She's I, I'd, I'd do her. Anyway, she wouldn't do me, but I'd do her. <laughs> anyway, uh, The Sting, uh, which uh, I, I love that movie. I especially love um, Paul Newman and his interaction with uh, Dial Onigan. You're going to learn that name. <laughs> Robert Shaw. I thought Robert Shaw was fucking... Him and Paul Newman, their interaction in this fucking movie is excellent. The, I, I like Robert Redford in this, but I just... And I like that him and Newman were back together because uh, they did have that 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 uh, that uh, connection kind of a thing, and you wanted to see him again after Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. The only thing was, I thought he was maybe miscast because I thought that Johnny Hooker should have been a younger character. But anyway, I liked Redford and Newman together, and I lo- especially loved Paul Newman and Dialanigan. Hey, long hair. Anyway, uh, The Great Gatsby. I thought this was a pretty good movie, and I liked it. It was a. It was um. I did not like. Uh, oh fuck! I clicked on the wrong one. I clicked on the way we were. Get off there, you bastard! You're fucking up the show. Got to go back up here and get back where I was. Me, me, me. Okay, so anyway. Great Gatsby. I liked it. I thought that Robert Redford was really good as Gatsby. And I liked Bruce Dern in this. I did not like Mia Farrow uh, as Daisy. I thought she was fucking annoying as shit. And I wish they would have cast somebody else. Because... um, she was so fucking annoying, I could not imagine that Robert Redford would be that enamored with her that he would be, like, shitting himself. She annoyed me. Uh, Karen Black was really good in this. She was really good in just about everything. Scott Wilson, just fucking excellent actor, uh, who was also in Cold, in the star of In Cold Blood with Robert Blake. And Sam Waterston uh, as Nick Carraway. And they changed some stuff around in this. Uh, uh, and and uh, there were some people that were gay and lesbian in this, but uh, they, they weren't overtly in this movie. 
Edward Herman was really good. Uh, but I like uh, I like this one. Again, this is another one they showed on TBS. They must have really liked fucking... Uh, well, I mean, shit, fucking... Uh, Jane Fonda was married to Ted Turner, so maybe that had something to do with it, and she still liked Bob from... And he was he's a big liberal, too. But anyway, he uh, um, maybe it was because... Uh, they were in Barefoot in the Park. I don't know. Or maybe, what's his name, just bought all the fucking movies. Uh, let's go through these a little bit faster. Or we're never going to get done because goddamn Redford was in a lot of shit. Uh, great Waldo Pepper. I thought it was a pretty good movie. I liked Bo Svensson in this. It wasn't It wasn't a great movie, uh, but it was It was pretty good. And I remember when it came out and it didn't do that well. Uh, it has a lot to do with uh, stunt flying, crop dusting, and things like that. And uh, a guy almost like GTO in uh, Tulane Blacktop that maybe he's telling a lot of bullshit stories and maybe he's not. Uh, Three Days of the Condor, I th- it was an excellent fucking movie, kind of a paranoid, you know, uh, um, political, ass- not action, but kind of a thriller with assassinations and things like that. Uh, it came out about the time like Parallax View and those kind of movies were coming out. Pakula, Philip J., who directed Sidney Pollock, also directed this one, uh, by the novel by James Grady. I remember uh, my cousin's. Uh, husband at the time when I was very young uh, was telling me about this movie and he was like you know Robert Redford he uh, he's just like I just read books I'm not like a CIA guy you know and they're like we got to bring you in blah 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 anyway but I love Three Days of the Condor especially Max von Sydow and the very hot um, what's her face Bonnie Parker who was Faye Dunaway Uh, All the President's Men's a fucking great movie everybody should watch that and watch it a bunch of times like I have um uh, Jason Robards is f- awesome in it. Uh, Bridge Too Far, uh, Robert Redford in that. He was, you know, just had a small part in this, which a lot of people did. Uh, but it's an all-star cast. This is a pretty good movie. I, I, I remember it was a pretty big budget movie and everything. I don't think it did super well at the theater. But, uh, you know, now that I watch it, it's just... You know, it's one of those old, uh, they did this a lot back in the day with like uh, Longest Day and um, trying to think of some other ones, but where it just had an all-star cast, but each person only probably worked like one day and didn't have that many lines, you know. Uh, Electric Horseman's a kind of a, I don't know if I'd say it's a personal favorite, but again, that's uh, Jane Fonda and Robert Redford uh, teaming up again after a long, after uh, Barefoot in the Park. And uh, Robert Redford, one of the, scenes that I love in this is when he decides to that he's tired of doing the corporate bullshit uh, and he just takes off on the horse and they play uh, Willie Nelson singing uh, the Allman Brothers song Midnight Rider uh, which was really cool and he just disappears off into the desert uh, Jane Fonda was hot in this too uh, Brubaker, good prison movie. Uh, Henry Brubaker goes into prison as a convict and sees what the fuck's going on, but he's actually the uh, new warden who is undercover. That was pretty good. It didn't do that well in the in, at the box office. It's a really nasty kind of a dirty ass movie. Got um, um, David Keith and who else is in this? Yafet Koto. Uh, the Natural, if you're a baseball fan, you love this one. And uh, even if you're not a baseball fan, it's another one that it's kind of a sort of melodramatic, but I, I still love it. You know, all this stuff. It, it's it's like a uh, an old school movie like uh, the Lou Gehrig story or something like that with uh, Gary Cooper, except it does have a kind of a nasty 
asks uh, a, a backstory that nobody knows about. Of course, you find out about it as the movie's going on. Uh, out of Africa, I had that on DVD, and I haven't watched it. Uh, I was going to watch it one time, and this co-worker of mine said, oh, I hated that fucking movie. It wasn't worth a shit. So I never watched it, but I still have it, so maybe I need to take a look at it. Legal Eagles, I believe that was with, uh, what's-her-face, that long-legged chick that played Pris in Blade Runner, who was Daryl Hannah. Uh, no, is, or and, and, uh, and uh, what's her name the, from... from uh, um, Deborah Winger, yeah, that's that's the movie. Deborah Winger from Urban Cowboy. I watched that one time, and I just remember that uh, fucking Pris uh, was fucking crazy and um, uh, doing some crazy shit. And Redford, I think, is a lawyer, and his little minion helper is what's her face, Deborah Winger, who played Sissy in uh, fucking <laughs> in Urban Cowboy. Pick up, pick up, pick it up. I love when uh, Scott Glenn fucking his his true nature comes out. <laughs> he fucking is an asshole to uh, Deborah Winger and Urban Cowboy, and then uh, fucking John Travolta hits him in the head with a fucking big cheeseburger, and he beats the shit out of John Travolta. That was funny. Uh, <laughs> I think we covered that on the show. Havana wasn't a very good movie, and they even made fun of it on uh, on Seinfeld. Uh, that he, I think Jerry or some or uh, 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 Elaine took out a movie, and it was like three weeks overdue, and she owed all this back. That and he said, "Well, what movie was it?" She goes, "Havana with Robert Redford." And they're like, "Ugh." <laughs> so she rented it, and it was so shitty that she never finished it. I haven't seen it. I think I watched some of it because I like again. I, I'm always interested in that in the time period um, right before Castro took over in in uh, Cuba. And, uh, you know, when, when all that stuff was going on, like the movie Cuba with uh, Sean Connery, I thought that was, uh, you know, really good. Uh, Sneakers is a, 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 a good movie that I think it kind of a little bit of a comeback for Redford after Havana flopped and out of Africa wasn't didn't do that well. Um, Sneakers, Sidney Poitier, uh, Joaquin, Fe- or Joaquin, River Phoenix, uh, Dan Aykroyd and his big giant fat ass. Um, this is a pretty good movie. Uh, Ben Kingsley plays like a nasty douche head. Um, but I, I've seen that one a shitload of times. Again, that's probably one of those WTBS Redford made a lot of movies. River runs through it. I love that movie. It's a, it's a beautiful movie to watch. Uh, Redford does the narration, but he also directed it. I believe. Yes, he did. And, um, he again, Redford's one of these guys, like an environmentalist, and uh, so it's kind of you know just a really pretty movie. And um, Brad Pitt play Brad Pitt and Craig Sheffer are the two brothers, and um, you know, what's his name from um, Mash, movie Mash. Tom Skerritt plays their dad, who's a preacher. Uh, it's a nice story. I love the fly. It's one of those ones I have no interest in fly fishing. We used to trout fish, but we didn't use we bait, bait you know fished with bait uh we never fly fished uh but um it's just a really pretty movie and it's a it's a it's a good story i really liked it indecent proposal i don't think i've ever seen this uh it's the one where redford uh is a like a billionaire and he offers demi moore and woody harrelson or a couple in vegas and he offers them like a million dollars if he can fuck demi moore and so that's an interesting, that would be like a, if Rocco Safrady would have played uh, the Robert Redford part, that would have been better. Um, so anyway, 
that. I, 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 you know, that, that would be a really good movie if it was dirty, you know, like if Demi Moore and like Robert Redford just banged the living shit out of her, you know. But um, I don't think I've seen that one. I don't know if that was pre or post, like when Demi Moore got the big boob job for that shitty stripper movie, and then she had big tits when she was in G.I. Jane. Uh, if she had big boobs in this one, I like the concept of it. It's like they turned Woody Harrelson into a cuck. Like and that would have even been better if they would have made Woody Harrelson wear a little cage on his on his tiny little uh, penis while Robert Redford screwed to be more. Uh, with his big wang, his big uh, uh, Sundance Kid wang, and Woody Harrelson had to sit in a chair and watch it, and he'd just be crying. I would love that. That would be funny as hell. Up Close and Personal? What's that? Is that the one with with, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah, that was the one about the uh, TV, like, uh, uh, reporters and stuff. And that was another one that... I don't want to to spoil anything, but it kind of rips your guts out. (laughs) It has nice chemistry with uh, Winger and, uh, or not Winger, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman, and Bob. Uh, let's see, where are we at here? Horse Whisperer was really good. That was a fucking good movie. And that's the first like time I saw Scarlet. But that was when she was too young to be hot and she didn't have a leg. So, <laughs> not that she can't be hot and not have a leg, but I mean, I love that movie. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's another one. It's kind of like, like I said, because he likes nature and animals and stuff like that in real life. Uh, it's a, it's a nice way. It kind of goes like a river runs through it. A good movie, good story, wholesome, nice story. Uh, Last Castle. I didn't. I went and saw this at the theater because I love Redford, and he put this out and Spy Game on, in the same year, and uh, I didn't think this one was worth a shit. Um, he's a military, like a general that's like, uh, so fucking highly thought of, but he ends up going to prison. And I just did not think this was worth a shit. James Gandolfini is the, the warden of the military prison. I thought it was sucked. Uh, spy game. I thought was great with him and, uh, Brad Pitt reteaming him and Brad Pitt after a river runs through it. Um, and I thought this was excellent. Uh, I love spy movies. I love real spy movies about how, you know, uh, uh, trade craft and all that shit. And I thought it was excellent. Uh, that's one that I really recommend. I bought it. I uh, lent it to a friend. He didn't give it back forever. So I bought it again. So I have two copies of it. But I thought this was excellent. And I um, uh, love the pairing of Redford and Brad Pitt. Uh, the Clearing, I think that's, isn't that the one where Willem Dafoe takes him out in the woods and you know, I saw this and I, it was kind of weird, and I didn't think it was very good. I love Willem Dafoe and I love Bob Red Bob, uh, but I didn't think this one was very good. Maybe I should watch it again and give it another look. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think I might have seen that twice, and I didn't think it was very good. Uh, let's see, actor. Where are we at? Clearing Unfinished Life. I don't think I saw that. Charlotte's Web. He played Ike the Horse. <laughs> Lions for Lambs. I didn't think that was very good. That's the one with uh, kind of like a. there's two stories going on at the same time. It, like one of them, Tom Cruise and uh, Robert Redford and Meryl Streep. Uh, Tom Cruise was pretty good in this. He plays a real, he plays like almost like an Oliver North kind of a politician. I forgot about this, but I, I don't think it was it was a kind of a commentary on like uh, George Bush and the Iraq War and shit. Redford's story is completely it's like two stories running at the same time. You have the asshole scumbag politician, like I said, like almost like Oliver North, uh, 
was Tom Cruise. And then the other story that's par- running parallel is uh, with Robert Redford, and he's a, uh, a history professor. Um, I should watch that one again. I didn't think it was bad. I knew my brother-in-law wouldn't even watch it because he's like a big Republican. And he didn't even know what it was about, but he thought that he it would suck because uh, it, it was going against like George Bush or some bullshit like that. The company you keep... Don't know what that is. Did he says he was in it? <laughs> oh, this is him and Shia LaDouche. A former weather underground activist goes on the run uh, from a journalist who has discovered his identity. I never saw this. I don't think uh, I know about the weather underground and everything. And uh, I'm assuming that uh, Shia LaDouche is the reporter and Redford is the guy on the run. Maybe I should check that one out because I haven't seen it. Like a big pizza pie that's more. All is lost. I think that is the one where Redford's on the boat out in the middle of nowhere. Is it? Collision. Yes. And that, that was very good. It's just Redford on this uh, 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 sailboat, yacht, kind of, or not a yacht, but like a sailboat out in the, uh, out in, out to sea and his boat crashes into something and he's out there and it's, it's a good movie, but it's a, it's a lonely ass fucking movie. It's the kind of movie that just, you know, you're, you're, he's, he's going through things and that's why he got on the boat and went out there. But then it's almost like he's, uh, not like he's, uh, he, it's a survival kind of a movie, but also there's so much shit going on internally with him, and I don't think he says a goddamn word through in the whole fucking movie. Uh, and um, he plays Dan Rather in Truth. I thought that was pretty good. Um, if you know, or, you know, you're, it's so came out so close to when all that shit. Not close because that was more during uh, the Bush stuff. But still, you know, I remember when all that shit happened. Walk in the Woods. Oh, that's the one with him and Nate. This Walk in the Woods, I haven't seen, but it was supposed to be, uh, uh, I think him and Paul Newman were going to get together and make one last movie. And I believe then, you know, Newman died and uh, he couldn't do it. And he got sick and he couldn't do it. And then he died and they got Nick Nolte to play uh, the part. And it's um, those two life like old lifelong friends i guess i think and they go walking on the appalachian trail which is you know one of those deals where people walk the appalachian trail and i can't remember how fucking long it is but if you walk the whole thing it would take you fucking like months or something um but i haven't seen that one um i don't know if it's you know be any good or not i like nick nolte and i like robert redford but so anyway and then he's got that new one coming out uh the old man and the gun which is uh, supposed to come out this year, so I'm curious to see what that's all about. Uh, I, I saw the trailer for it. I think that's him and Sissy Spacek, and uh, it looks good. Or is it? Yeah. So anyway, I want to see that one. That's going to be uh, Bob Swan song. It's kind of like Daniel Day Lewis, except Robert Redford worked a shitload more than Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, but when you and Sean Connery, like when he said he was not going to act anymore and you know retiring, it, it's it's kind of sad. But anyway, it's a lot of the the, the old actors. Uh, you you the longer you live, you know, you start to see them kind of slip away and fade away. But you always have that, you know, uh, the, their movies to watch and uh, and the memories. And so then, anyway, I believe Rolf watched Slaughter's Big Ripoff uh, with uh, Jim Brown. 
and uh, Don Stroud and Ed McMahon. I watched these Slaughter movies, Slaughter and Slaughter's Big Ripoff and stuff with Jim Brown. Uh, I can't remember how many months ago it was. Probably like, God, six months ago or something now. Gordon Douglas directed this. And I like I like the Jim Brown, old Jim Brown action movies. And again, this was 1973. I remember when I was a little kid, you know, after Jim Brown retired from football, we had, of course, he was the greatest goddamn football player ever to play the fucking game. And um, he retired, um, like, I think after nine seasons, he never missed a game, never got, never laid out on the football field hurt. And uh, he was, they always said he was like Superman in cleats, uh, but he was just a charismatic motherfucker and a badass motherfucker. Um, Like, Fred the Hammer Williamson, I like his movies, but he was he was a badass in the movies and stuff and did like karate and stuff. But Fred Williamson was also one of these guys. He was like a pussy hound and but he was like a talker, you know, smooth talking, you know, kind of a guy. Whereas Jim Brown just probably give you a look and make you piss your fucking pants because he didn't have to talk. <laughs> but I did like the slaughter movies and and uh and uh both of them I thought were really good and and just about all the other movies that I saw Jim Brown in I I enjoyed um because he just again he had that he's a the the a man's man he you know the kind of guy that that uh didn't have to prove anything to anybody and just he had so much confidence in real life you know that it came out on the screen and everything um this is another one that Rolf watched uh, I believe that I wanted to check out which is Il Caso Moro from 1986. And uh, one of the reasons, another rabbit hole that I'm going down probably this week, because I've got some movies that I'm going to watch, uh, uh, because it stars uh, Jean-Maria Volante, uh, who was in, of course, uh, Fistful of Dollars, Few Dollars More. Also played Lucky Luciano, uh, Cirque la Rouge. Um, but I, I find him to be an interesting person in real life from what I've read about him and also I like him I, I like him as an actor uh, it's going to the same way as um, uh, what the fucking hell is that cocksucker's name <laughs> it just left my head um, shit oh uh, Elaine Delon uh, there's several like uh uh, Italian actors, French actors, and things like that from watching uh, foreign films that I, that I've come to, you know, find to be just interesting and, and people that I want to go and you know look up their their filmography and find whatever I can find and watch. And this is this is one that I had never heard of. Uh, the story of of uh, the infamous 1978 kidnapping of former Italian Prime Minister Aldo Moro by left-wing terrorists from the Red Brigades. And uh, again, another thing about this, um, I when, when you look at like uh, movies like Bader-Meinhof Complex, uh, um, the Entebbe movies, where uh, uh, Operation Thunderbolt, uh, Raid on Entebbe, or the Entebbe movie that just came out that I watched... Um, or um, Red Army Faction uh, and those kind of movies. Uh, I, I'm interested in that t- period of time. Of course, I lived in that during that, but I was younger and a kid. Uh, but I'm fascinated by these Red Army Faction and these 
these uh, left-wing terrorist uh, groups and things like that. So I want to check this one out. I definitely uh, uh, kept a little screen cap of this so I can find it and watch it. Thank you, Rolf, for the recommendation. Operation Red Sea, I want to watch. This was also, the title. original title was Hong Hai Zing Dong. And uh, this was by Dante Lam uh, as Lin Chou Xian. And it stars Zi Zhang, uh, Johnny Huang, Hai Qing. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to watch this is because I have watched... Um, the uh, Wolf Warriors movies and uh, a couple of these different um, uh, Chinese and Korean and different, you know, uh, uh, movies that are uh, new movies that are coming out. And there are a lot of that. They are um, the ones that I have seen are done almost like 80s action movies. They're not they're not like realistic as far as like um, uh, Black Hawk Down and uh, things like that. Um, they're done more, uh, some people would say like they're propaganda movies, but you know, I don't even look at it that way as I watch it more like, uh, just an entertaining, um, uh, action war movie, you know, and that's kind of how they're, they're playing. I haven't seen this one, but that's kind of what the, 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 uh, idea I get from watching the other ones that this is kind of going to be like that too. And this is, uh, PLA Navy Marine Corps launch a hostage rescue operation in the Ihua or Ihuai and undergo a fierce battle with rebellion with rebellions and terrorism. So anyway, I want to check that one out. I'm sure it'll be on iTunes. Probably already is. Uh, another movie I want to see that I, I just uh, saw the trailer for, and I was listening to Howard Stern kind of talk about it is the new Spike Lee movie, The Black uh, Klansman. And uh, black with a K in the middle, and then Klansman with a K, so it's uh, KKK in the middle. And this stars uh, Charlie or uh, John David Washington and Adam Driver. I like Spike Lee movies, and I think he does a good job. And I want to check this and out. This and out. I knew it was based on a true story, and then when I watched the trailer, I saw that uh, uh, the character of the real life person David Duke is in it, and it's played by what's that little fucker's name? Oh, where's he at? Of course, it won't be on the... Even though it's the main character, one of the main characters, it won't be on the fucking first page here. Piece of shit. Uh, why do I want to sing Joni Mitchell, but I'm not going to? Uh, Topher Grace. I don't... You know, I, I like... Uh, Topher Grace is okay. I liked him in uh, Predators. Which I want to watch that one again for some reason. I don't know why. I like that movie. I've said it before, so I know you guys know that. Who's this Buscemi? Michael Buscemi. As Jimmy Jimmy Creek, hmm. well, that must be a Buscemi, <laughs> and that must be a Buscemi. That's his name. Uh, Rolf also watched Busting from 1974. I was talking about uh, Robert Blake being in In Cold Blood, and Tell 'Em Willie Boy is here, and this is a pairing of Robert Blake and Elliot Gould. I think this is Robert Blake coming off Electric Glide and Blue. He was uh, also in uh, the R Gang uh, show, the little kid show. Uh, when he was a little kid, but uh, Peter Hyams uh, wrote and directed this, and uh, John Hyams, he the one that did the Universal Soldiers uh, uh, movies. But anyway, I like this one, um, and uh, I remember it had some fucking funny moments in it. This is definitely. Uh, a companion piece to Freebie and the Bean because it's two guys and uh, 
that are buddy cops and it's got some some uh pretty funny yet nasty dirty ass shit in it <laughs> one thing i remember from it that my friend jim and i uh when we were in college watched this for the first time uh is when uh they go and infiltrate a gay bar and get the living shit beat out of them <laughs> so anyway uh let's move on how long has this show been going jesus christ okay no we're not doing too bad um I, I got some movies I'm going to watch uh, that will be coming up on the next show. One of them is Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion from 1970. And uh, this is the Jean-Maria Valente uh, rabbit hole that I'm going down, uh, much like Ralph Meeker. Um, Chief of Detectives of the Homicide Section kills his mistress and deliberately leaves clues to prove his own responsibility for the crime. Uh, so I want to check this one out. I got that one on iTunes, sitting and waiting for me. Uh, Revenge from 2017. I've heard a lot of people talking about this. Uh, uh, director Coralie Fargiet, uh, or Fargit, uh, stars Matilda Anna Ingrid Lutz and Kevin Johnson and Vincent Colombe. Um, I'll tell you something about this one. I rented this cocksucker on fucking iTunes and the goddamn thing didn't download correctly. So when I went to watch it, it said it was downloaded and it was it, it would like it was going to start to play and then it would just go back. It wouldn't play. And as soon as I clicked on it though, it said that I only had a certain amount of hours to watch it and it ran out. So this reminds me I need to go back and file a complaint and get my download back. But I heard this was good, so I'm going to check it out. Uh, another Jean-Maria Valente movie, also starring Klaus Kinski, that I'm going that I have uh, ready to watch, is A Bullet for the General from 1967. So I want to check that one out. Have not seen that one. Spaghetti Western. Have not seen that one. Uh, okay, I got Kiss Me Deadly. I bought that on DVD because I wanted to have a copy of it. Uh, we covered this on the show, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. But this is a, a Ralph Meeker movie. Uh, it's on YouTube. Um but it's a really fucking shitty quality, I guess. Maybe that it's so that it can beat the uh, algorithm that detects copyright violations or something. But I watched it again, um, uh, I think last week, and I watched that shitty version. I actually said, and I can't remember what movie I watched. I watched a fucking movie, and it was all in, I think it was um, Rafifi in Amsterdam. I watched it on YouTube, and it was all in Italian. So, and I didn't even know what was going. I just followed it by just you know watching the visual and kind of figuring out what was going on. Hopefully, as as it went. So, uh, if I want to watch a movie bad enough, I will actually watch a movie that I can't understand the audio. But I love uh, Kiss Me Deadly. Um, again, Ralph Meeker. What are you doing in there? That's another thing, Ralph Meeker. The way he talks, he kind of talks like he's got something stung up his nose or something all the time. You know, I don't know what's going on in there, but I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna fucking knock you out, and then I'm gonna fuck you in the ass. Uh, Robert Aldrich did this. Uh, Mickey Spillane, of course, is the writer. And again, we covered it on the show. So if you want to go back and find Kiss Me Deadly, check it out because Loaf and I both loved it. Um, okay, this is one. I have a, an online friend named Will Vaharo, and his dad was in a shit, or not a shitload of movies, but he was in quite a bit of movies, including Valley of the Dolls, a movie called Bare Knuckles that we covered on this show, or on 
this show, yeah, Silver and Gold. And, <laughs> and uh, so he posts pictures of his dad, uh, and pictures of him and his dad together, but also pictures of his dad in the movies he was in. Uh, and he was just posting some pictures of, uh, I think, his dad in uh, Valley of the Dolls, and then a movie that his dad was in with uh, Susan Hayward. And his dad was also in Via Rides with Robert Mitchum, uh, Charles Bronson, and Yul Brynner. And um, there's one called Stuntman from 1968. And uh, this was directed by Mar- Marcello Baldi. Uh, and it stars Gina Lola Brigida, Robert Vaharo, who is Will's dad, Will Vaharo's dad, and uh, Mari Dubois. And I want to check this out. Uh, I had never heard of it, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be hard to find. <laughs> because I, uh, I I was hoping it would be one of these ones that would be on YouTube. But I'll find it somehow. Gina Lola Brigida. She was pretty hot. Uh, let's see. Let's get back off here. Let's see what it says about this movie. Maybe I'll find just something interesting. Your entertaining European fluff could have been a real winner. <laughs> could have been a real winner. <laughs> so anyway, I don't give a fuck. Uh, the tagline is, when other men get afraid, stuntman gets the call. Stunt cock. Anyway. I love that movie, Bare Knuckles. I want to see that one again, too. He was badass, and I just get around just punching people and look like, uh, who the fuck do you look like? Like Terry Hanratty or something from the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> okay, I talked about this one on uh, Paleo Cinema a little bit. I won't talk too much about it on here because it wasn't very good, which was uh, My Boys Are Good Boys from 1978. Um, this was directed by Bethel Buckaloo and written by Fred F. Finkelhoff and Bethel Buckaloo. And it stars uh, Ralph Meeker, again, Ralph Meeker Rabbit Hole, Ida Lupino in her last movie, and uh, Lloyd Nolan. There was a hot chick in this. Um, was it Priscilla? Carrie Lynn, I think. And um, this was kind of a shitty movie. <laughs> I thought it was like a made-for-TV movie, and it probably was. I don't know. It wasn't very good. I think, actually, though, I thought it was, and then when I looked it up, it was just a, a shitty exploitation movie. Um, Ralph Meeker is a... He goes to visit his son, who is in like a kid, a, a, a young boy's home for wayward boys that got in trouble with the law. And his son uh, kind of resents him and thinks he's an asshole. And uh, Ralph Meeker and his wife, who is Ida Lupino, uh, are always fighting because of the son. Uh, Ralph Meeker has gotten him out of... He's, the kid's gotten in trouble for like stealing shit and stuff a bunch of times. Ralph Meeker gets him out of trouble with the law so he doesn't have to go to jail or anything. But this time he tells... He says, I think it'd be better if he went to jail and served time and everything. So anyway, the kid fucking hates him and wants to get revenge. And uh, But it's not very good. Um, this is one where I was like... Uh, one thing I was saying on Paleo Cinema is like uh, in these 70s movies, um, it seems like everybody wants to rape uh, if there's a hot young girl and say she's got a flat tire or something, there's always somebody that you know starts out. They seem like they're a nice old dude or something that wants to help them, but they they want to they can't help themselves and want to rip their shirt off and show their titties and try and rape them. Uh, watch the Alpha Incident on YouTube from 1978. Again, another Ralph Meeker movie. Uh, this one kind of reminded me of Andromeda Strain. And I like these kind of movies that are sort of a cross between sci-fi and horror, but they mostly have to do with um, uh, like uh, viruses or some kind of chemicals or something that cause people to go nuts and die, or like kind of like the crazies or uh, 
also uh, Cassandra Crossing, um, a microorganism from Mars brought to Earth by a space probe terrorizes passengers in a railroad office. Um, Ralph Meeker is a guy that works in a railroad office that's kind of just like a washed up old turd. <laughs> Anyway, uh, this was directed by Bill Redbane. Uh, the writer was Ingrid Newmayer. And I believe this is like one of the, I don't think it's a mystery science theater, but it's pretty close to something like that they would cover. Um, George Buckflower as Hank. <laughs> Buck. I always like that as a nickname, Buck. Anyway, that one's it's worth watching because it's, it's, it, it almost looked like it was shot like a soap opera. I watched uh, Junior, which is a documentary uh, by Isabel Levine, um, and she was also, uh, let's see, writer and co-director or whatever. This is a documentary that um, follows this team in junior hockey and the guys that are trying to get uh, drafted by the NHL. Uh, the one thing about this movie that kind of stands out is that they don't show anybody playing hockey. Uh, it's They'll show them getting ready to go out and getting introduced and getting ready to go out and play. You see all the stuff that revolves around like hockey, whether it's like somebody singing the national anthem or the guys in the locker room putting on their stuff and the coach coming in and cussing them or, or, and things like that, or them in their hotel rooms while they're traveling and they're nervous about, you know, uh, the game or if they're going to get drafted and some of the guys getting hurt. So that was kind of like the, the, uh, the directorial, kind of an interesting way that they did it was they didn't show anybody actually playing hockey so i thought that was pretty good it, it, it was it was pretty good and and um you you had a lot of uh uh french speaking people in it so you, there's a lot of subtitles but you also have because the coach uh speaks french to you know the the majority i think french speaking players but then there's english speaking players on the team and he speaks english to them so you go back and forth like that um i watched a, a couple other documentaries about like hockey fighting and things like that that were pretty good on youtube nothing nothing earth shattering this one was okay it wasn't great uh what else did she do she did one called picnic at hanging rock what is that i just want to see something maybe see if this uh Isabel Levine had done anything else that was interesting. Three girls and their governess mysteriously disappear on Valentine's Day in 1900. Hmm. So she's actually done some... Oh, that that was a... Uh, epi- six episodes. So that must have been like a TV show. TV miniseries. Uh, 4125 Parthenay, Parthenay's Retour. Of, it looks like she did some like uh, some different uh, French-speaking movies. At night they dance. What's this about? A boot. This looks amazing. This is burlesque. No. Seldom has Egypt's capital been so uh, vocatively captured. A fly-on-the-wall dock exploring the mystery, mysterious and hard-knock reality of a typical Egyptian belly dancer clan in working-class Cairo. Hmm. So that's something that could be interesting if it's done well even if you're not interested in the subject. And I think, well, she's got several, well, okay, just as a director were those, what's this, 4125 Parthenius. Parthenese. It doesn't even say what it's about. A boot. That's pretty, pretty weird. 
No synopsis, so I guess we won't know what that's about. About. Let's get back off here and get back on track, people. Rafifi in Amsterdam again. I watched this in Italian, uh, the whole fucking movie, so I don't know what was being said. It looked, it was pretty good. Had a lot of action in it and stuff. It stars Roger Brown, Ada Power, and Umberto Lajo. And it was directed by Sergio Grico as Terrence Hathaway. Uh, writers Lucio Battistrada. Uh, as Lucio Manlio Bastrada (laughs) Roger Brown what the fuck else is he in I know he played fucking football for the the the, uh, Detroit Lions he was a great big son of a bitch uh, because he played with Alex Karras what else was Roger Brown in anything good shit he's still working uh, Hail and Garlic. <laughs> Captain Mars. He plays Captain Mars in Hail and Garlic. Uh, what do we got here? Mars, God of War. The Spy Who Loved Flowers. Assault on... I'll see. Assault on the State... Wait a minute. God damn it. Come over. Assault on the State Treasure... Super 7 calling Cairo. I mean, this motherfucker was like an action hero or something in some... Barabbas. I saw Barabbas. Is that the one with uh, Anthony Quinn? Uh, Pontius Pilate. He was in Pontius Pilate's Vulcan, son of Giove. Uh, he plays Mars, God of War. Then he played Mars, God... Then he was in Mars, God of War as Mars. Ten Gladiators. I remember seeing that at Walmart on DVD. Seven Slaves Against Rome. Three Swords of Rome. Seven Rebel Gladiators. Gee, he was in a lot of gladiator shit. Spy Who Loved Flowers. Rafifi in Amsterdam. Uh, Salt on the State Treasure. I already said that. I wonder if he was in... Okay, he was in Patton. He played Soldier on Bridge. <laughs> The Black Hand, State Attorney, Mahogany. That was uh, Diana Ross, wasn't it? And Billy D. Williams. Diana Ross, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Perkins. Mahogany, 1975. Tracy, an aspiring designer from the slums of Chicago, puts herself through fashion school in hopes of becoming one of the world's top designers. Uh, her ambition leads her to Rome, spurring... I'm not going to read any more of that. I'm going to see that. I remember when it was out when I was a child, but I don't think I ever saw it. Uh, let's see, what else we got here? Soldier on the Bridge. Emmanuel in America. He played the Senator. Uh, War of Robots. Okay, he was in a lot of poo. But, I mean, you know, he worked. Worked more than me. <laughs> Roger Brown. Okay, so I want to see some of that shit. Uh, Journeyman of 2017, uh, written and directed by Patty and starring Patty... Constantine. I want to see this, uh, see what it's all about. Uh, boxer Matty Burton, Matty Burton, suffers a serious head injury during a fight. It is about the impact uh, this has on his marriage, his life, and his family. For some reason, when I was looking at this, it kind of reminded me, I, uh, just the poster and everything, of The Boxer with Daniel Day-Lewis, which I think is a really good movie. That If you haven't seen it yet, you should check it out. Uh, it also stars Jodie Foster, who else is in this? 
Lanny Duffy, Lexi Duffy. That must uh, well they each play. I wonder if they're twins that play the daughters because it's the same daughter but two different people named Duffy. Anyway, let's get off here. I want to see that one. I'll probably definitely wait until it comes out on iTunes because I uh, it won't come around here. Better Call Saul uh, started back up. Saw the first episode of that for the, the new season. Thought it was pretty good. It Again, it took me just a little bit when I was watching it to remember what the fuck happened in the final episode and in the, uh, uh, the, the other season. Um, but uh, it... It kind of went along, and it was kind of slow, and you knew it was going to be sad because of what happened at the end of the other last season. But uh, then the end of the first episode kind of was a nice payoff. Uh, Better Call Saul. And I did finish uh, all of Breaking Bad, and I thought it was great. And I did want to watch the last two episodes because I didn't want it to end. So anyway, Georgina Jones. I still uh, – this is from Rolf. I don't know who the fuck that is. I thought it was like some porn star or something, the way he was talking. Um, <laughs> because he said Emily Blunt was a poor man's Georgina Jones. And somebody said, who's Georgina Jones? And uh, So I, I, for some reason, it gave me the impression that it was a porn star. Um, so anyway, we just I did a little poll, you know, what's your favorite? I, well, the one thing, one reason that I was putting up some of these women on Sylvan Gold is it seems like on like... Um, gentleman's guide and i'm not you know saying anything bad or anything it's just mostly what just what people post but you'll see like somebody posts like robert redford or uh whoever you know i do that all the time uh what's your favorite daniel day lewis or daniel day lewis and mickey rourke but, but you don't have as much of a conversation about uh women in movies uh, well, in, in any you know from any time or you know whatever you, you rarely see somebody put up like Barbara Stanwyck or John Joan Crawford or or something like that and say what's your favorite movie of this female actor or actress depending on what you want to call it and so I've been that's one of the reasons I've been posting like Scarlett Johansson I know these are newer actresses but uh, Emily Blunt and things like that and uh, you know just trying to get a conversation and to, about you know some of these different actresses. Um, and I'd like to do this more and go back and think of some other um, female actors uh, from some of the movies that we watch, you know, uh, that aren't just the, uh, you know, somebody that has like a, a good role that's not just um, uh, eye candy for whoever, Tom Cruise or whoever. But, you know, uh, Emily Blunt, you know, they're, f- for the most part, uh, people were like Edge of Tomorrow and um, um, oh, what was some of the other. Devil Wears Prada is one that I haven't seen but I've heard about that I kind of want to watch. Uh, I like that uh, Salmon Fishing in Yemen. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I've seen her in. I've seen her in several different things. Huntsman. Uh, Sherlock Gnomes. <laughs> Why does that make me laugh? Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, people like that one. And, uh, of course, Sicario. Um, Salmon Fishing in Yemen was her in Ewan McGregor. Adjustment Bureau, I, I saw that with her and Matt Damon. I didn't think it was that good. Not that she wasn't good, I just didn't think. She's got a nice fucking body. Mm. Chop, chop, chop. Nice lips, too. Uh, Wolfman, I thought that was pretty good. That's her in Benicio del Toro. But, again, a lot of these aren't ones that you know I would even think of when you say Emily Blunt I don't think of her uh Charlie Wilson's war I saw that and I didn't realize that that was Emily Blunt in the movie one of the chicks that like to suck his not nat- nards 
Um, so anyway, Devil Wears Prada is the one thing that I got out of that that I want to see because I like Anne Hathaway too. I think she's just gorgeous. Uh, My Friend Irma is a movie that's on YouTube, directed by George Marshall and written by Cy Howard uh, and Park Levy. And uh, it stars uh, John Lund, uh, Diane Lynn, and introducing Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. So this is like their, I think, the first movie they were in. It's kind of a slapsticky, funny movie, and uh, Diane Lynn who plays Irma is a real quack. Like, uh, she's, she's a goofball and funny. And, uh, I think that's the one. Yeah. She plays Irma. Uh, no, Mary Wilson plays Irma. Uh, uh, Diane Lynn plays her roommate, uh, Jane Stacy. Uh, but anyway, Irma is a real, uh, doom cough, but she's, you know, funny in that old kind of movie way. She's really playing it up. The character kind of like how Lucy was in, uh, I love Lucy. The well, you know, the black and white series, but it was funny. You know, it was kind of fun and funny. You know, it's one of those movies. It's just slapsticky. Uh, Song to Song from 2017. I did not know this existed. I I remember that Malik, Terrence Malik, was going to make another movie, and and I heard so much about you know it's going to be Christian Bale and Ryan Gosling and all this stuff and everything. Well, then I guess uh, Christian Bale had to pull out. Uh, because he was going to make something else and because Malik shoots so goddamn long. I think they said when he made this, the original cut was eight hours long. Um, so he just goes around and just shoots the shit out of everything. And uh, kind of like a Cassavetes thing, he would give the actors um, just, okay, this is this scene is kind of about this, but he, there's no dialogue. He just wants them to just kind of ad lib everything. And at first I, I know, um, uh, Mr. Clickers, uh, did not recommend this. He saw it and he, he was like, okay, you know, I'm warning you before you watch it. But I actually liked it when I first started watching it, say the first maybe 20 minutes or something like that. I kind of thought, okay, he's right. But then that was just establishing everything. Um, Fastbender is a, a promoter of like music groups and, and festivals and things like that. So you get to see, uh, it kind of reminded me of A Star is Born with Chris Christopherson, where uh, you get to see them at these different outdoor concerts and shows. Um, and you might see like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Iggy Pop, and people like that. And he's interacting with them because he's the promoter, and they all know him. He's famous and got all this money and everything. And um, but they're just establishing all that shit. And then once they do that, and the relationships and everything get, you get to know what the relationships are between the characters and where it's going and everything. Then I really got into it and I thought it was really good all the way to the end. I, I, so I, I, I really enjoyed it. And you're, you're so used to seeing Malik, uh, with, so, with, uh, uh, as a photographer, a cinematographer shooting nature. And, um, you don't get that, that much in this because it's, it's a lot of it takes place in the city and takes place, uh, with, uh, just them walking around like Austin, Texas and going to different places and in their apartments and everything. But it's again, it's of course it's shot really beautifully and everything. I love I like Ryan Gosling. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Rooney Mara just freaks me out. She looks like one of these mice that I'm trying to catch and she's got those fucking mouse eyes and she's just weird. And, uh, but, but to make up for that, um, what's her name? <laughs> Natalie Portman is in this and, 
I don't know if she got a new pair of boobs or what, but I remember Natalie Portman was completely just completely flat chested and now all of a sudden she's got boobs and she looked really good at this she was pretty hot so that that was all, uh, really nice um, but anyway I, I enjoyed it and uh, I can't imagine sitting through eight hours of it but uh, so anyway I like Fassbender I like Gosling and I like uh, Natalie Portman's butt and um, her new boobies uh, let's see My Life directed by Nicholas Winding Refn uh, from 2014, and this was uh, shot and directed by his wife, Liv Corfixen. I thought this was pretty good, and the reason that I liked it, it's not very long, and that's not a good thing, uh, but um, I like Refn as a... Uh, I was going to say as a character, but I've, I have watched like this past week or two in between shows. I watched a bunch of interviews with him, I like listening to him talk and talk about film, talk about his movies, but talk about other people's movies and people that inspired him, actors and directors and everything. Um, And this was shot during the making of Only God Forgives, which is one of my favorite movies uh, that's come out in a long time that I've watched a shitload of times. So you had that going on and them on the set and showing them shooting different scenes and Ryan Gosling kind of like looking over at the camera and like, what the fuck's he talking about or whatever? And just kind of their friendship and everything. So I like that. I hope they work together again. I know Gosling kind of said that he wanted to kind of get away from making movies with Refn uh, and do some other stuff um, after Only God Forgives, but I hope they I hope they make some more movies together. I like them together. Um, so as a fan of Refn and a fan of Ryan Gosling, I like this. I could see where some people... I heard some people say that uh, it um, was kind of like just watching a reality TV show and it wasn't even you know a feature-length uh, uh, movie, but I enjoyed it. I think it was only like 99 cents to fucking rent it. Um, we were talking about movies uh, that were steamy and hot, but that weren't porn movies. Um, the ones that I came up with and my recommendations were The Postman Always Rings Twice from 1981, starring Jack Nicholson and Jessica Lang. And this was directed by Bob Rafelson, who made some... He's the kind of guy that... The kind of director that would that made... Um, movies that were kind of hot nasty or um didn't he do the fucking uh the female athlete movie where they were all going around fucking eating each other's pussies and stuff <laughs> or am i thinking of somebody else <laughs> okay he did five easy pieces with nicholson uh, King of Marvin's Gardens, which I've tried to watch twice and I didn't like it either time. Stay Hungry with Jeff Bridges, Sally Fields, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, she's fucking honored. Uh, Postman Always Rings Twice, which is the movie I'm talking about. Um, Black Widow, which was Dennis Hopper, and um, Deborah Winger, and what's her name that was the. Uh, oh, uh, Teresa Russell. That's kind of a, uh, a noir ish, dirty ass movie. I'm thinking of somebody else. Who did personal best? I'll have to look it up. Why am I asking you? Um, Tales of Erotica. His segment was called Wet. <laughs> Bob Rafelson. So anyway, okay, wait a minute. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> 
Okay. Personal best, of course, was Marielle Hemingway, Scott Glenn, Robert Town. Okay, he was the one that shot the movie. And I think his wife even left him or something when they were shooting this movie because they said he got so into it. He had all these actual uh, Olympic-level female athletes that came and stayed with him, and they were all laying out fucking naked and topless and stuff on the beach, and he was right there with them, and and they're fucking eating each other out. I will say this about personal best, and I, I remember talking about it on the show or reviewing it on the show. Rafelson, the way that he shot this movie was like the fucking skeeziest, scummiest pervert with a camera. Like when the girls were do- uh, 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 doing the high jump or something, he would fucking take the camera and shoot it so you could see like right, see their their crotch, and like if they were running and 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 doing the. Um, the the, the uh, what do you call it the um, high hurdles and stuff he would shoot up their crotch shoot their ass he would you know have them eating each other out and fucking humping each other's pussies and stuff like that so it was Robert Town but I remember Rafel for some reason well uh, the the uh, well like I said uh, the 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 fucking um, um, the mother and the whore. <laughs> Anyway, Postman Always Rings Twice. I remember when it came out, and uh, this was a remake. Uh, David Mamet uh, actually did the screenplay for this version. It was by the novel by James M. Kane. Uh, but I remember this being like this movie that uh, had some really like hot, steamy... And the thing when when like Rolf was talking about a movie that's not porn that is that is a hot and steamy movie. Most movies like that that are not porn... Um, they don't necessarily have to even have nudity in it. It's that big, passionate, animalistic um, um, attraction and the people holding off, you know, like say maybe they're married and they can't and then they hold up and then when they finally fucking break down, it's like they can't even control themselves. And like I said, it doesn't even necessarily have to have nudity or sex in it, but it can be a fucking really hot movie. Uh, and a lot of the ones that I thought of are are noir based or neo noir. So Postman always rings twice with uh, Nicholson and Jessica Lange. And at one point, like I said, when Jessica Lange was in that first fucking that King Kong movie from like 1976 with Jeff Bridges, she was the hottest. She was like Sharon Stone later was in Basic Instinct. Or I'm trying to think who else down the road would be like the hottest girl in Hollywood at the time. And Jessica Lange was. Uh, somebody brought up the movie Bound uh, from 1996, which was one of the uh, Waka- or the, or the, the Waka- Wachowski brothers uh, directed this. Um, Lily and Lana Wachowski, who, uh, who they are now. Uh, and this stars Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon and Joe Pantaleone. I hate Joey Pants. <laughs> I never liked that motherfucker. Anyway, but I've only seen this one once, uh, and the reason I watched it is because I heard it had some hot lesbian stuff in it. I don't remember that much about it other than them plotting against the uh, asshole husband, and they, you know, kind of meet, and Gina Gershon's got the the fucking teeth that if they were just a little bit bigger, they'd be like, uh, uh, she would look like uh, Bugs Bunny, but they're just enough of an overbite, and she's just hot enough to, to be hot, and Jennifer Tilly got the big titties. Anyway, um, she's the femme fatale. Uh, 
so maybe I need to watch that one again. Uh, another one that I recommended was The Hot Spot from 1990. Uh, again, this was directed by Dennis Hopper. talked about it earlier. And uh, it's got Don Johnson. This is definitely a uh, noir movie, a neo-noir movie. Um, uh, and Virginia Madsen is the... Is Don, the connection between Don Johnson and Virginia Madsen is like just fucking... Uh, when when they're on the screen and the build-up to it, you could throw like water on your screen and it would probably sizzle. Virginia Madsen so fucking hot. And not only that, but the movie is hot uh really hot like like they're all sweaty and they don't have air conditioning and shit like that and uh Jennifer Conley's in this before she got too skinny and she, and she still had big boobs and uh, uh uh you get to see some uh stuff with her she's very young you got a little uh uh, kind of like a taboo uh, thing with the older guy and the younger girl, but then you've got the the fucking siren, which is Virginia Madsen. Jesus Christ, she was a four alarm fucking fire. Uh, anyway, another one I recommended was Body Heat from 1981, uh, written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan, starring William Hurt and Kathleen Turner and Richard Crenna. Also has uh, a, a very young Mickey Rourke in it singing Bob Seger. <laughs> And uh, Ted Danson's got a good uh, good part in this too. Another one I want for, uh, just talking about this. I want to watch again. Kim Zimmer from The Guiding Light, uh, where she played Reva Shane. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this is a very hot movie. And again, like the Hot Spot that Dennis Hopper directed, this is another movie that is not only hot because of the uh, uh, connection. Uh, between William Hurt and Kathleen Turner, but it's hot because it's a, just a fucking movie that takes place in like Florida, and there's there, there's no air conditioning, and everybody's sweating like a fucking pig. Like William Hurt, his hair is just soaked with sweat. I don't know why they didn't have air conditioning if they explained that or not. But they're all going into these places, and you know, give me a give me a big glass of iced tea or a cold glass of lemonade or something like that. And they're just all fucking sweating, and uh, Kathleen Turner didn't have big boobs. But God damn she made up for it by just being an animal <laughs> blue is the warmest color i think rolf might have picked that one and uh i i would say and when we when we uh, reviewed this on the show this is the closest uh movie other than the one that i just watched recently that gasper no way did love i think uh which actually showed penetration and come shots and everything else but it was a movie this was before i saw that one i would say this is the closest to a porn as far as the sex scenes go uh than any movie i've ever seen that was like a major movie uh but but there was two women so you didn't have to penetration or anything and like i said they they said they put like a plastic uh apparatus over their vaginas so when they were eating each other out you know i was like i don't give a fuck now uh, the Gaspar Noe movie Love, uh, they were doing full, full blown, full bore, real sex. They were fucking and sucking each other's dicks and, like I said, jizzing on each other and everything else. Um, still, both of those are to me are not pornography, uh, but both of them went. Uh, cross the line as far as shooting sex scenes um again you know i don't give a shit i don't consider it porn porn i and and again i've watched you know 70s porn movies like they would talk about in um boogie nights 
where they were actually shooting adult films on film that actually had storylines and stuff like that. Some of them might have not have been very good storylines, but and they actually had real sex in them. But that was an adult film, uh, whereas Love and Blue is the Warmest Color actually are dramas and love stories um, that had explicit sex scenes in them, but they I wouldn't consider them like adult movies or porn movies. And I thought, as, as far as those two movies go, I would say Blue is the Warmest Color was the better movie and had the better story and uh love was it was good but i'm telling you it was distracting (laughs) okay i watched the naked spur 1953 this is also a movie with ralph meeker but it starred jimmy stewart and uh, janet lee and robert ryan ralph meeker well ralph meeker that is just as big of a part as as uh, janet lee and probably robert ryan um this is one uh, uh, an Anthony Mann uh, directed movie, and I think him and uh, Jimmy Stewart did several movies together. Um, and I thought this was really good. Loved the color of it. Loved the way it was shot and everything. It's a, a kind of a wil- sort of a wilderness movie. The whole movie takes place outdoors. Uh, some great nature shots and everything. Not like Terrence Malick nature shots, but uh, it's just a you know beautiful countryside and everything. Uh, a man uh, obsessed with bringing in a. Uh, who was Jimmy Stewart, a lawman, uh, who's obsessed with bringing in an outlaw, Robert Ryan, who has a young girl with him. And uh, then he comes across uh, Ralph Meeker, who is a cavalry guy who has been uh, dishonorably discharged from the military. And um, he's him and this old man um, who was, uh, was that? Millard Mitchell? Yeah. Um, They, Ralph Meeker, Jimmy Stewart, Millard Mitchell uh, are going to bring in Robert Ryan and, of course, Robert Ryan's girlfriend, uh, very young Janet Leigh. They're going to bring him to justice for the shit that he did. And uh, it's a good movie. It's a good Western, but it's it's also got some good action in it. Jimmy Stewart's excellent in these movies. I love these westerns like with him in uh, like Winchester 73 and this movie. Um, what was the other one? There was one other one besides those two. Um, um, Anthony Mann also did Men of War with Aldo Ray and Robert Ryan, which was excellent. Uh, El Cid uh, with um, John Heston. What else did he do? Oh, Man from Laramie. That's, a, that's the other one that... Uh, I think with uh, Jimmy Jimmy Stewart. Uh, let's see what else do we have here that Anthony, or, uh, Anthony Mann did. Want to check out some other ones maybe that he did. He's uh, excellent. I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I don't think he was a cinematographer, but he he uh, shot the movie the way he wanted, and uh, I, I liked it. Uh, T Men uh, was that Randolph Scott? No, it's a different movie. T Men. Uh, two U.S. Treasury agents hunt uh, and a successful counterfeiting ring. And that starred Dennis O'Keefe, Wallace Ford. And now that looks kind of like a B movie. Um, that was 1947, though. That's before he got rolling on the river. Left a good job in the city. Uh, Winchester 73 was excellent. The Furies. Who was in that? 
Me and Barbara Stanwyck, Wendell Corey, and Walter Houston. Firebrand heiress clashes with her tyrannical father, a cattle rancher who fancies himself and Napoleon, <laughs> but their relationship turns ugly only when he finds himself a new woman. Gotta go find yourself a new woman. Don't cry over old women. Go find yourself a new woman. That's the one thing that I've learned as I sit here single with my dick in my hand. Uh, let's see. Tall target. Quo vidas. Uh, Bend in the River. That's Mitchum and... Uh, no, that's Jimmy Stewart and... Uh, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Well, it says James Stewart. Jimmy Stewart and Rock Hudson. Who else was in that? Who was the chick in that? Rock. Rock Hudson was in... Uh, shit, was that Winchester 73? He played an Indian. That was like one of the first movies he was in. Jack Lambert. <laughs> The Pittsburgh Steeler? <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, moving right along with Anthony Mann here. Uh, Glenn Miller story. That was Jimmy Stewart. Of course, that was about Glenn Miller. Uh, Far Country. Jimmy Stewart. Self-minded adventurer. Locks horns with a crooked lawman. While driving cattle to Dawson. Who's the crooked lawman? Bastard. Go bash Walter Brennan. I know who he is. Harry Morgan. Chubby Johnson is dusty. <laughs> Jack Elam. He's always good. That might be one worth watching. Okay, it's got some women in it too, so maybe that has got some love in it. Gotta have some love in your life. All you guys out there, go find some love. It's worth it. Uh, Man from Laramie. Strategic Air Command. I watched that one not that long ago. That was good. Was that uh, Jimmy Stewart? I think it was. Yep. Man, Anthony Mann and Jimmy Stewart must have been in love with each other. <laughs> now they made some, a lot of good movies. Men in War, I like that. Tin Star, that was a good one. That was uh, Anthony Perkins and um, Henry Fonda. That was a pretty good movie. I watched that one not too long ago, too. Anthony Perkins was a douche. Uh, you know, I'm surprised that El Cid is not, uh, you can find it on DVD, but it's out of print. And that was a hell, that was a big fucking blockbuster fucking movie. Uh, God's Little Acre, Man of the West. That's Gary Cooper. I think I saw that. Link Jones. Gary Cooper is linked to Lee J. Cobb. I gotta watch that. Jack Lord. Fuck yeah, I'm gonna watch that one there. That one there. Sound like a dumbass. Okay, Tele uh, Heroes of Telemark, that's Richard Woodmark, and what's that? that's not Rock Hudson, Kirk Douglas, and Richard Harris, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of something else when I said Richard Woodmark. Ula Jacobson, Michael Redgrave. There was a movie, it must have been Guns of Navarone and um, uh, Force 10 from Navarone. The character that Richard Harris played at the beginning of Guns of Navarone was actually maybe maybe the character was in Force 10 of Navarone I'm going to look that up I just read that somewhere let's see let's look up Guns of Navarosky <laughs> that's a good movie man I love that movie I love Gregory Peck man when, it, when he goes off on David Niven I thought that was excellent you think this is easy? Squadron Leader Bonsby. Okay, Squadron Leader Barnsby. I thought I read some... Maybe it was Force 10, and I'm just not... It just doesn't come up on here. But I thought I read that the 
character of squadron leader Barnsby was in another fucking movie. Anyway, whatever. Let's get off this. I'm going to be on here forever. And we're only two hours. We what did you do like four last time? <laughs> Don't count on it this time. We're going to be wrapping up here shortly. Anthony Mann, Men of War. That's a good one. Uh, let's see, Naked Spur. Watch that. Okay, let's see. Uh, the Sinner with Jessica Biel. That's the the uh, about like an eight part, um, 16, 16 episodes. Hell, oh no no no, they'd started up a new season. That's why. Um, I watched. Um, I got like one more see or one more episode of uh, the first season of this with Jessica Biel and um, uh, Bill Pullman. And uh, you, in the episode I saw, you got to see what actually happened and uh, why Jessica Biel is so fucking crazy. I mean, this got some this got some weird fucking sexual stuff in it. And I don't want to give anything away, but there's some stuff in this that kind of was like, Jesus, you know, this no wonder. I mean, what a fuck. I mean, oh, some weird shit. Um, you know, no, I mean, I don't want to say anything. That's a good show, though. Bill Pullman's really good at it. It's got some weird sexual shit with him in it, too. Um, I think it was like the 40th anniversary of Animal House from 1978, uh, directed by John Landis, written by Harold Ramis and Douglas Kenny, um, starring a whole bunch of people that uh, Tom Hulse, uh, <laughs> Stephen First as Kent Dorfman. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'm laughing. Niedermeyer. <laughs> I'll just say their names. Larry Kroger, Kent Dorfman, Niedermeyer, Mandy Pepperidge, Babs, uh, Greg Marmalard, Chip Diller, <laughs> Bluto Blutowski, Stork. Stork was one of the guys that actually wrote it. He's Douglas Kenny. Um, these are guys from uh, National Lampoon. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, D-Day, Hoover, Eric Stratton. Uh, good fucking movie. Uh, Rolf said he w- never watched it, doesn't want to watch it. Uh, but it's it, it, he said something about like a, being like a, 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 a sex comedy or something like that. I don't think as much of a sex comedy as I do like a uh, a funny college movie. This movie was okay. It 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 came out in '78, and I went to college. In uh, uh, graduated high school in '84, and uh, when we went to college, people were still having toga parties because of this fucking movie, and just be, you know, just the wildness of, of being in college and partying and crazy shit, and you know, people being away from home and drinking and fucking being morons. So anyway, but I think this movie is fucking hilarious, and I've watched it, and and uh, um. um uh, uh, John Vernon as Dean Vernon Wormer is fucking excellent in this. He's awesome. Everything in there, you mind if we dance with your dates? <laughs> Everything in this is fucking funny. I mean, my friend Bob and I, the weasel, We were talking about this movie the other day, and I mean, you could just if if you've seen this movie and you like it, and have seen it as many times as 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 we have, you could just quote fucking shit and just just mention something funny from this movie, and you'll just start laughing. So, Rolf, I don't know, man. I wish you'd watch it just to see, just you know just check it out. Anyway, Rolf was talking about uh, he watched um, what the fuck did he watch with Tony Masante? 
it was like an Italian movie or something like that. And I said, told him that I enjoy, I liked Tony Masante and, uh, and he was asking for some recommendations. Now, the thing about Tony Masante, as far as his acting goes, is he got really caught up in doing TV. Um, the movies that I recommended were The Incident with him and Bo Bridges and Martin Sheen. I think that's a really good movie, and it's on YouTube, and I posted it uh, under the conversation on um Silver Gold, <laughs> Silver Gold podcast. Um, now he was in the detective with uh, Frank Sinatra, but I haven't seen that one. So I was thinking the one of Kirk Douglas. But uh, anyway, let's see, Mercenary. What was that? That's a Sergio Cor- Corbucci. Was that? Yeah, that's the one with Franco Nero. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I have this one. This is uh the one where. Uh, Franco Nero is the Polish guy. A greedy Polish mercenary aids a mine worker and a peasant girl as they lead a revolution against the oppressive Mexican government. Okay, this is... Uh, Tony Masante is basically playing like the part that um, Thomas Milian would play or something like that in one of these movies. Uh, I've seen that one, and I, I like it. For a spaghetti western, you know. Um, but I recommended The Incident, and I recommended uh, Bird of the Crystal Plumage, which we covered on Sylvan Gold. Not as much because of Tony Masante as is just a movie. The two that I would say would be The Incident and The Last Run with uh, George C. Scott and uh, the chick that George C. Scott fucked and left his wife for. This one, uh, Trish Vanderveer. And it also has his then-wife, Colleen Dewhurst, is in this, George C. Scott's wife. And then he started fucking Trish Vanderveer uh, when they were making this, and it's weird because they're both in the same movie. Um, and but I, I love the uh, the last run. It was out of print for a long time because there was some fucking weird shit. It's probably like how why El Cid is uh, out of print. Uh, there's probably some kind of something about the rights to it or whatever. Um, but then, like I said, he he made a shitload of um, of um, TV shows. What's this? The the Grimson Gang. This is a Robert Aldrich movie. Kim Darby, Scott Wilson's always good. Uh, Kim Darby was also in, uh, of course, uh, whatchamacallit, the um, True Grit. And um, Tony Masante, let's see what this says here. I probably, probably maybe have seen this. Set in the Depression, a gang of half-witted small-time hoods led by Slim Grimson, or Grissom, uh, kidnap heiress Barbara Blandish, and Slim proceeds to fall in love with her. It's a remake of the 1948 British film. And let's see, Slim, probably Scott Wilson, yeah. Okay, Tony, Tony Masante is Eddie Hagen. Okay, Connie Stevens is in this. Who else? Ralph Waite, who was in Cool Hand Luke and also in The Waltons. Uh, dee, 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 dee. Ralph Waite was a good actor, by the way. I mean, he's, an, he's another one that he got kind of stuck doing... Um, TV because he was on the Waltons and it was on forever, but he was a good actor. Uh, but so anyway, this is one I want to check out. Robert Aldrich is usually pretty good. Um, let's see what else do we have here. Of course, like I said, just a shitload of TV. Uh, the thing about Tony Masante was he 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 uh, starred in this TV show called Toma, and it was kind of well Toma was a real guy. That was a that was a real um, person. I actually uh, he came to our. 
I think our high school and did a talk. He was he was a real guy, but he he was kind of like a um, a uh, Serpico guy in real life, and they made a TV show about him called Toma. And Tony Masante did it, and it was a successful show. But he said, "I don't want to get stuck doing TV, so doing a series and get stuck doing TV." So he said, "Okay, I'm going to quit." And so what they did was they said, "Well, this is a good show, and it's a successful formula and everything." He's an undercover cop who wears different disguises and everything when he goes undercover. So they gave the role to Robert Blake, and they renamed the show Beretta. And Beretta was on forever, and it was a really good show too. Um, let's see. He, and then the thing about Musante, uh, he he then when he started getting older, people were like, yeah, Tony Musante is a good actor. Uh, let's put him in in some of these you know movies. He wasn't like the main guy or anything, but he would have like a a small part in different movies like Pope Pope of Greenwich Village, uh, and then the We Own the Night, which I just watched here recently uh, with. Um, Wahlberg and Joaquin Phoenix and Robert Duvall. He was in that. He was also on the TV show Oz, uh, which had a whole bunch of people in it. The Yards, that was also uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg, Charlize Theron, and James Caan. Uh, what else? We Own the Night. Okay, and that's about it. I mean, he worked up till 2013. I don't know if he's, I don't think he's dead. No, he's 77. Anyway, but um, the incident and uh, the last run, the last ride with, uh, um, what's his face, George C. Scott, or the two that I ran, the role of the last run, Jesus Christ, I don't know why I get it fucked up. The last run and the incident uh, were when he was young and uh, two movies. And then, of course, The Mercenary with Franco Nero. Check that one out, too. And I want to check out The Detective. Uh, Masante kind of reminded me a little bit of... Uh, Don Stroud, that type of character, uh, that that type of person, uh, that when he was younger, that he played, you know, Don Stroud would always like in um, the one with Clint Eastwood, uh, whatever. I'm gonna give a fuck. I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> you want me to look that up? But even on the last show, I couldn't remember what it was called. Um, Our Man in Jamaica is another one on YouTube that I want to watch. I haven't watched it yet, but. It, uh, Ernest uh, Ernest Ritter von Thumer. This looks like a, a kind of a one of those um, Italian uh, movies, like uh, Rafifi in Jamaica. Uh, stars Larry Pennell, Margarita Scher, and Roberto Camardai. The FBI sends agents to Jamaica. Well, this is our man in Jamaica. What was the one? Rafifi in Amsterdam. I'm sorry getting them mixed up. The FBI sends agents to Jamaica to investigate armed smuggling uh, to revolutionaries in Santo Domingo. So I'm going to check that one out too. Some of these uh, some of these uh, cop movies and uh, cops and robbers movies from Italy. And uh, you can find them on YouTube if you look. I, watch, I finally watched Something Wild as my other Ralph Meeker movie uh, that I actually ordered uh, a criterion uh, of this uh, from 1961. And uh, it's written and directed by Jack Garfin and uh, stars Carol Baker um, and Ralph Meeker, Mildred Dunnock. It's mostly the entire movie is Carol Baker and Ralph Meeker. Um, and the gist of it, okay, young rape victim tries desperately to pick up the pieces of her life only to find herself at the mercy of her would-be rescuer. So that basically says it all. Uh, I don't want to give anything else away to uh, about it. Um, 
I would recommend uh, recommend that you watch it. One of the reasons is it kind of reminds me almost of like a, a blast of silence when they show when they're outside and they show you get to see a lot of uh, of uh, the city at that time in 1961, which is really cool. Um, I had some problems with the story and where it went. Um, but I don't want to say anything else because I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, Ralph Meager is like, why can't you, you know, uh, well, I was just going to say something that would totally fucking spoil it. Um, anyway, so just, if you get a chance, watch it. Um, I, it's not on, I had to get it on DVD and I want, and because I, I like the synopsis and sounded good and I, and Ralph Meeker, Carol Baker, of course, was in, uh, Baby Doll. Uh, that was the movie that we watched. Oh, baby doll. Come on over here, baby doll. Let me see your pussy, baby doll. And fucking uh, uh, Carl Malden is goddamn fucking pervert. And I think baby doll was supposed to be probably like about 13 years old. <laughs> Either that or she was a she was a, an adult who had the fucking uh, mentality of like a little kid. And then Eli Wallach. And it, it kind of reminded me of... Uh, of uh what's the one with uh Peter Sellers uh Lolita you know where these goddamn old fucking perverts and it's like one of my friends at work uh her brother-in-law is like 58 years old and he was married to like this 28 year old girl and then was shocked to find out she was fucking somebody else i mean dude you're almost 60 and you're you're fucking married to this girl who's like 20 fucking eight years old and 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 fucking hot too because i saw a picture of her and (laughs) jesus christ anyway how the fuck did that come up um we laugh about it anyway so uh, you know, just like a, you know, this is this is some advice. Uh, it's just like, well, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. If some fucking impo- that's what they said about Las Vegas, and I've said this on the show before. I saw a thing about Las Vegas and what to look out for, and one of the things was if an impossibly good-looking girl comes up to you and she finds you completely irresistible, then you know if it's too good to be true, it is. And I actually had that happen, and she was a hooker, and this chick was fucking super hot. I was standing in a casino. The casinos are open 24 hours, but if a bar in your town closes, if the last call is like at 2 o'clock and it closes, well, at like 2 o'clock in Vegas, yeah, everybody still, with the exception of a few people, you know, they go to bed. Uh, And I would go down to the casino and I'd be walking around and shit, um, you know, three o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning and there's just there's a few people in there playing the games and stuff like that but they're in there cleaning i mean they're running the sweepers and cleaning the staff and everything and this fucking super good looking woman walked up to me and she was uh you know like 36 24 36 or whatever uh measurements and just unbelievably good looking uh, looked like a fucking porn star or whatever, like a hot porn star. Uh, and walked up to me and she goes, hey, you want some company up in your room? And I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she was a hooker. And uh, boy, she was good looking. Okay, but I watched, uh, we're going to be wrapping this up. I watched Lawrence of Arabia from 1962. 
which was directed by David Lean and uh, written by, uh, or was based on the writings of T.E. Lawrence, screenplay by Robert Bolt. Stars Peter O'Toole, Anthony Quinn, uh, Alec Guinness, and Omar Sharif. And this is a fucking great movie. Um, A lot of people bitched about the length of it when I posted this. I don't give a shit. You're going to get that with David Lean movies because, um, like, you know, just everything that he did, he he made these fucking giant spectacular, you know, movies. Bridge on the River Kwai, Dr. Zhivago. Um, He made epics. And I should go down and watch, see some of the other... Uh, 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 David Lean movies. The Night Porter, but that's from 1930, so that's not the Night Porter that I like. Um, Brewster's Millions, of course, that's not Richard Pryor, because <laughs> that was 1935. See, he goes way back. Uh, let's see, I want the director. What's, oh, that's edit, That's when he was an editor. Okay, you have... Great Expectations. I, I saw the one with Robert De Niro. I haven't seen the original. Oliver Twist, have not seen that. Uh, Bridge on River Kwai, of course. Lawrence of Arabia, greatest story ever told. I like that one. Uh, Dr. Zhivago, I liked Ryan's daughter. I like Dr. Zhivago. Um, but anyway, he, David Lean made epic movies, and they were going to be, you know, three hours or more. Uh, and but I I liked every he was he was almost like Malik I mean the way he shot these movies and everything just beautiful every fucking shot in this fucking Lawrence of Arabia was great um, Peter O'Toole was fantastic and just watching him come undone and the, what he would do without saying a word where his you know these crazy eyes and shit <laughs> just fucking i mean and then that this movie made me go on like wikipedia and look up shit about t lawrence and you know to read about that but another omar sharif was fantastic in this uh the one thing i didn't like was anthony quinn's fucking fake nose because i guess when it's in like hd and shit <laughs> you could kind of you could kind of tell uh a lot more than what you probably could if you would have went to see it in the theater alec guinness was really good in the, in the you know the part that he was in in this but uh, Omar Sharif and Peter O'Toole were just fantastic in this. David Lean, I love his movies. Again, like Terrence Malick, uh, just the, it's something that I, these movies I, I want to see on the big screen. And I know that some of these like Hollywood cinemas that we have up uh, around where I live and everything show like Casablanca and movies like that. And I always miss them. I always say I'm going to go and watch, but I, but then I forget about it. Uh, this is one that I definitely would, would go see. And they, you know, of course they have an intermission and that's how I watched it when it got to the intermission. I, I, you know, was watching it. I turned it off and I watched the rest of it the next day. So I watched it in two parts. Beautiful fucking movie. Beautiful movie. Peter O'Toole was a beautiful man. <laughs> Omar Sharif was a good looking dude too. Uh, but I, I, I really enjoyed this. And uh, just, it was everything that, that you could want. I mean, it had action in it. It, it had, you know, just an interesting character study, like I said, of this interesting man and uh, about the culture over there and uh, a lot about the um, things that I just didn't know about, about the war and, 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 and what they did to, uh, you know, fighting the war and how they fought it and, and Lawrence and all the shit. And, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I thought this was just a, an amazing, a fantastic movie. Uh, 
big recommend. Uh, Nixon, uh, directed by Oliver Stone, starring Anthony Hopkins. This had a shitload of people in it. Anthony Hopkins, Joan Allen played Pat Nixon. Powers Booth was Alexander Haig. Uh, Ed Harris is E. Howard Hunt, who I watched a um, William F. Buckley um, um, interview with E. Howard Hunt, which was pretty interesting because E. Howard Hunt was a piece of shit. <laughs> Bob Hoskins is J. Edgar Hoover, E.G. Marshall, John Mitchell, uh, David Hyde Pierce is John Dean, Henry Kissinger, and Paul Savino is Henry Kissinger. Uh, let's see who, uh, James Woods is H.R. Holderman. That was perfect casting because he's a sleazy fucking piece of goddamn garbage. H.R. Holderman and James Woods. <laughs> J.T. Walsh is a is always plays a good sleaze bag, and he played Ehrlichman, so they have he played a good sleaze bag. Um, again, now this one, Oliver Stone, it's kind of, it's kind of shot just about exactly like uh, JFK was. Uh, Oliver Stone, very very ham handed. I mean, he hits you over the head with shit. It's interesting to watch though. Uh, Anthony Hopkins. I thought did a good job. I don't think he did. I don't think he looked like Nixon, but I think he captured the paranoid fucking wacko drunk fucking just strange fucking human being that was Richard Nixon and all the sycophants around him. And it does remind you of the paranoid delusional pumpkin head that we have in office now. And, and you look at all the sycophants and hangers on and power hungry people that were hanging around and hanging on to Nixon that allowed Nixon to happen. And you see a, if you watch this movie, you'll see a direct parallel and a direct, uh, almost like a mirror uh, image of um, the fucking I don't know whatever he is in, in the office right now and uh, that's about it I'm going to wrap it up people we're on a good two and a half hours we cut it short this week <laughs> I didn't think I'd have that much to talk about but like I said I think I, I kind of like uh, incorporating some of the stuff that we talk about on the groups um and and incorporating that into the show with the discussion and everything and like i said i i i know number one i like posting some pictures of some fucking hot chicks like scarlet emily blunt monica bellucci and stuff like that because they're beautiful women but i do think that we don't and I don't, I don't know why. I don't know what the psychology of it is because, with like say Barbara Stanwyck, and I was talking about uh, Susan Hayward because I watched her in uh, Ada, but um, some uh, whether it's Joan Crawford or uh, Jane Fonda or Meryl Streep or any of these actresses that are that are just fantastic actresses um, that we watch all the time in these movies. Uh, to, to get some more discussion about them and about their movies. What's your favorite Barbara Stanwyck movie? What's your favorite, uh, you know, whoever? I'm just off the top of my head. Like I said, I did Monica Bellucci uh, the other day. Uh, you know, Catherine uh, uh, Deneuve or, you know, uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of some different people. But... Um, like I said, I, it just it just struck me that if you look at like Gentleman's Guide or or Sylvan Gold or some of the other groups, uh, you'll hear people talk about Steve McQueen. Um, I almost said George Pappard. <laughs> 
uh, you know, James Garner, uh, Lee Marvin, uh, uh, whoever, uh, uh, Warren Oates or whoever. But uh, you, we, we rarely talk about uh, a discussion about uh, f- uh, female actors or slash actresses and their filmographies and what you like about them or who you like or, or say even uh, uh, female directors. Um or movies that are more, you know, uh, we have like uh, uh, Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill. And I shouldn't say, I was just going to say like movies like that, like dismissing them. But even uh, women like that that are in, in movies and what they hit, what they did after that, or if it was exploitation, or well, definitely exploitation. But, you know, um, uh, just talking about uh, uh, more about some women in cinema and the movies that we like of them, the film, filmographies, the movies they directed, and that's going to be more, um, as far as directors go, more movies from uh, now as opposed to, because back in the day, you didn't have female directors. But anyway, that's just something I wanted to bring up, and that's why I was posting some of the other than posting pictures of some very beautiful women, very beautiful and talented women. Um, so anyway, I'm going to sign off for now. Uh, this is Dr. Zom calling from uh, Parts Unknown, I think. And uh, I feel like I almost have to go to the bathroom again, so we better cut it short. And uh, we'll be talking to you again, <gasps> bringing you some good shows. Like I said, some of the movies I talked about that I have in my hall, I'll uh, be talking about next time on the show. And uh, definitely send in any mess or any messages uh, <laughs> of goodwill, or if you hate the fucking show, or. Um, uh, questions and stuff like that. Um, we have the email, which is silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com or put them on the group. Like I said, when I'm doing the show now, I actually, before I do the show, look over uh, the past couple of weeks of stuff that we talk about on the group. And even on like a gentleman's guide, some of the stuff maybe we talk about on there too. And, uh, you know, so we can have some stuff, some, some content for La Show. But anyways, Dr. Zom uh, saying to all of you, thanks for supporting La Show. And uh, from Loaf and I, uh, this is Dr. Zom saying, Zom, oop.